highways, so it wasn't as far away as I thought. It still was like an hour and a half away, but uh, but I wanted to go to see an Alamo Draft House for the first time, and I was, it, it, it's the best theater I've ever been in. It, it, I mean, like you walk in and. It's a bar and a movie rental place. Uh, not only Blu-rays, but VHSs. You can rent VHSs. Andrew. Damn, what, I think you stepped I, into a time machine. I, well, I mean, it's. I mean, I'm telling you, literally, there's like they have like these uh, places you can sit and drink, of course. And bes- there's like these pillars, that, but they're not pillars. They're like big VHSs. Damn, like big, like bigger than people VHSs. Um, and it's it's all awesome. like statues. And, and yeah. it's like a a yeah big. Then there's like all these canvas uh, artwork of like old old movies and cult films and like uh, they really support and there's Criterion Collection for sale in there. Damn, yeah, that place sounds and like Nirvana. <laughs> it's it's heaven. Yeah, it's heaven. And and but I will say as awesome as it was, of course, the people that I sat beside found a way to annoy me. Of course, even though they, I mean, they didn't talk. There was no cell phone usage, but they were just still annoying because people suck. Um, when the woman to my left breathed louder, she must have been a smoker. Uh, she, she was like, <sighs> you know, I was like, what the fuck? Get her some oxygen, please. You know, like, and then the guy to my right was like an older black gentleman, and he laughed at everything. It's not a comedy. It's it's the movie's Destroyer. It was about a, it was basically a film noir, and it was like really like, Ridic- crazy and he was laughing at stuff and I'm like what are you laughing yeah, at yeah I, 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 I've been in theaters with people like that it's they take you out of the experience sometimes um, and it's was it assigned seating was it reserved seating or was it like yeah it's reserved okay. seating I couldn't I couldn't get up and move yeah, I was gonna say, but I think I think it was sold out anyway oh I, the screening was sold out I mean it wasn't a huge theater okay. but um, yeah I don't have any of them up here so I'm insanely jealous of just you having that experience well, the- well, this one just got this one just got put in. I think a year ago um, was it. So it's they're expanding slowly to I guess certain markets where they think that they because it's a smaller chain of movie theaters. But right. um, I mean, it, it's awesome. Uh, the experience is great. But I guess getting into what we're doing today. Today is uh, we're finally getting to our. Our, our, I guess your, our top tens or our favorite films from last year, 2018. Yeah, we are um, stepping out of the Cinema Discovery Project time machine uh, or, you know, Discovery Mobile, and we're heading into more modern times, literally last year. But you can still discover some stuff here. True. You might not have heard of some of the movies that we were talking True, but about. But most you know. of our episodes, we take people back on a journey through time and space. We're like the Indiana Jones or like the... Uh, you know, uh, back to the future. You know, Doc Brown. Right. We're like the Doc Browns of of uh, movie watching. <laughs> I guess I don't know. All right. But w- joining us today, uh, we got a friend of ours who we've done some uh, collaboration in the past with. Uh, he's a, uh, a critic. He does a lot of his own film writing. Uh, he does a lot of podcasting. He does some trivia trivia stuff on YouTube and stuff. His name is Mr. Dan Skep Allen. How you doing, Dan? Hey, I'm doing great, Stephen. Um, I'll tell you right now, I am so uh, pleased to be able to be on this, uh, podcast with you guys because you guys have been doing so well and I've been a little bit jealous of you guys because I I learned so much by listening to you guys each week. I would be jealous of us too. I'm I'm Uh, constantly (laughs) jealous of myself. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just look around and I'm like, God, I have it all. I just <laughs> a little. Uh, I mean, a little backstory for the people out there who aren't aware. This is kind of the 
original band getting back together for like a reunion tour or a special. It's not necessarily – I wouldn't say it's the Beatles, but maybe like Cream. Pretty close. If Cream, Pretty close. If, if Cream got back together with Eric Clapton and Jack Bruce and whoever the drummer was, I don't remember. But if they came back together, that this would, this is what this would be. Well, yeah. I appreciate you guys saying that. I just I, – I do uh, – we, we did have a lot of good times talking about movies, doing lists. And uh, you guys turned me on to so many movies. I know I watch a lot of movies and write about a lot. But I still learn about movies I never even heard of because of the Cinema Discovery Project and you guys. So I just want to give you that credit. I oh, appreciate it, Dan, man. We Yeah, we we love talking movies, and, and it'll be fun here to jump into our favorite films of the year. What we're going to do is, is we're going to – you know, we're going to kind of go three at a time um, and – if there's something that we have in common, we're gonna we're gonna I guess if you've seen the show Top Ten, the Top Ten show, they do something called punting. We're gonna do something. We're gonna do the same thing. If if something somebody's got similarity in their list, we're gonna wait and talk about it in full until we get to the next yeah. person. And, and so, the reason um, why we do that is to cut down on time and repetition and stuff like that because it's, yeah, it's better if we all talk about the same movie all at once or two of us talk yeah. about the same movie or something like that instead of us all like. You know, taking each time to rehash things and whatnot. Yeah, because there is going to be some commonality, of course. Um, which you know, you know, we we all saw a lot of the same movies, and and uh, you know, there will be some that nobody has on somebody's list, and vice versa, you know, whatever. And so there might be some that all of us have on our list, right. but um, you know, so we're gonna do that. That's how we're gonna format it, and then at the end, uh, we'll get, we'll give some honorable mentions, and we'll talk about some of our. Uh, some of what we think are the worst films of the year, disappointing films of the year. Well, that'll be kind of quick, right. but um, but yeah, let's get it started. And I think, uh, being that he's our guest, we will start with with Dan Skip Allen here. What is your number ten? Uh, my number ten is a film called The Favorite from Yorgos Lanthimos. Right. Ooh, right. And I have The Favorite at my number eight this year. Ooh, so Dan and I wow. are pretty close to numbering when it comes to these. So yeah, so, so we will we'll wait until. Wait, yeah, I don't have it on my list, oh, so we'll okay. wait until later. We'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait until later to get to get to that. We'll get to number eight. We'll we'll talk about it. So, what is your number nine, Dan? My number nine. Uh, I switched it today, uh, but my number nine is Vice. Uh, Vice. Di- di- uh, directed by Adam McKay and starring Christian Bale, Amy Adams, Sam Rockwell, and Steve Carell. It's about. Dick Cheney and his wife Lynn Cheney, and also you have, um, what's his face who did uh, all the Medea movies? He he plays oh, Colin Powell. Tyler, Tyler, yeah, Tyler Perry. Tyler, Tyler Perry. Perry. Yeah, yeah, Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry did the Medea movies. He plays Colin Powell. Steve Carell plays Donald Rumsfeld, and of course Sam Rockwell portrays W. <laughs> what we call, you know, we're kind of close W and I, so we I call w. him W. But uh, yeah, George W. Bush, and this is basically the um, the rags to riches story, if you will, of Dick Cheney. Well, sure, I guess, I guess. Well, it's it, I mean, if if you, if you if Christian Bell could describe it, it's the story of Satan. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> you know, but 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 obviously, you don't know. We don't. I mean, even the movie says it. We don't really know all the truths about this guy because he's so secretive. So they did the best they could to try to tell kind of a. Uh, a, a story about the 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 rise of Dick Cheney to where he became the vice president of the United States under George Bush. That's right. So yeah, yeah. Adam McKay read eight 
15 books on Dick Cheney to get the script the way he wanted it to tell the the best possible version. Could he would. not have? Could he not have read two more books to make that twenty? I know. I mean, that's ridiculous. Eighteen. <laughs> yeah, twenty is a much more solid number than eighteen. My my obsessive compulsive disorder would bother me if I did that. And even if, if and if it was a, uh, an odd number like a seventeen or nineteen, that bother me even oh, more. Ah, oh. but but I think me and Andrew did see. Did you see this? Movie, I did Andrew? see Vice. It's not in my top ten, but um, I will say this: Christian Bale is amazing as yes. as Dick Cheney. Like he's famous for gaining weight or losing weight depending on the roles and it's the most unhealthiest practice you could possibly do for your body but he keeps doing it and, and seen, we saw pictures like you know a year before this movie came out of of him uh with all the weight gain and looking pretty close to what dick cheney looks like he's got the mannerisms down he's got the voice down and all that stuff he's really fantastic and amy adams is great as well playing his wife lynn cheney um amy adams i still say is super underrated when it comes to she, as an actress, she 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 will keep getting nominated, and they will keep snubbing right. her. Apparently, um, maybe she'll just maybe she'll be like Christopher Plummer one day, and and win it when you're like eighty or something like that. You know, who knows? He gained forty pounds for the role of Dick Cheney, and um, the, he is absolutely invisible as this uh, despicable human being. That's my de- definition of who Dick Cheney is. He's a despicable human being. Oh, of course. I don't, of I don't know about you, Steve. What, what I mean? Well, I'm not really. I'm not very political, but uh, I mean, I, I know a little bit about him before going in. But I mean, I, I I like the movie. Okay, I mean, I'm not a, like I said. I'm not political, so I'm not. It did nothing really like resonated with me personally as much about. I didn't have as much. I didn't know all the things about what was going on. But um, I did like. I, I do like Adam McKay's um use of satire in the movie, where he like will make things very weird. You know, this isn't a spoiler, but there's like literally a scene where a hook comes into frame and like pulls on somebody's mouth, and it's like he's reeling them in, you know, like when he's whatever he's doing in the scene, and it's like little stuff like that that was kind of fun. But um, you know, I, I did I will say I did like it more than The Big Short, and I'm not as much of a fan of that movie as you. I know you guys are. Right. I know you guys both love. Yeah, the Big I'm Short. the opposite in that um, regard. Where I like The Big Short yeah. a little more. Uh, the yeah, like this, like Stephen said, the film has a lot of interesting. Filmmaking techniques, fourth wall breaking, uh, narration, yeah. uh, mixed of you know comedy and drama and satire. Um, so I I would say that Steve Carell had some of the best jokes in the movie as Donald Rumsfeld. I don't think he's probably the most underrated in the probably, movie. Probably, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, that's that's a good one. That's it's definitely an honorable mention for me also. But Dan, go ahead and tell us your number eight. My number eight uh is. Eighth grade, eighth, oh, eighth grade. Well, I, I, th- think, I think you're gonna have to. We're gonna yeah. have to wait on that it, one. Let's just say yeah. it's much higher on my list. So it's there. It, it's much higher on my list All too. Right. So, so yeah. Let's let's Andrew go ahead. Let's let's start with your number. My 10 number here. ten is a uh, documentary. Shock, uh, shocker! Uh, Won't you be my neighbor? The documentary about Mister Rogers. Uh, does anyone else have it on their list? I, I don't. I do. I do. I have it at number seven. Oh, okay. Okay. So we, okay. Okay. We'll we'll move on then. We will wait. Uh, my number nine is a quiet place. Ooh, a- nice one. Anybody rolling with do that? Do not have that one on my list. Dan? No, I have that in my honorable mentions. Okay, so yes. I guess I can 
spiel about it. it. This was do it. This was a film that came out much earlier in the year and kind of supplanted itself in my top ten and has lasted all the way to the end. This is the movie that is uh, directed by John Krasinski. Um, I believe this. I don't can't say if this is his first film that he's directed. It, I think it's his second. second. Film. I want to say he, he directed did, one yeah. that no one really knows about from. A few it was years like ago. a romantic comedy type movie. Yeah, his first I think one he did yet. it while he was still on The Office, which he is famously from. This film also stars him as well as his real life wife uh, Emily Blunt, and it's a post apocalyptic alien invasion type movie, but it's very low key, basically. Um, you can't make any sound or these creatures will uh, immediately detect it and come and kill you. That's basically yeah. the premise of the movie. But there's so much the more depth than that. the world I wish I lived in. Yeah, <laughs> there's so much more depth than that. It's a movie that uh, sustains its tension throughout the film. Great se- sequences of suspense where, you know, you're stepping on a branch or a toy goes off or something happens where it's like you, you as an audience member like are almost not – not talking so that the characters don't talk, don't make any sound. Um, it's I think it's a really well directed movie from John Krasinski, especially with the, the with the, a premise that is so low key. It only focuses on this one family in this one area trying to survive. Um, really well acted by both he and Emily Blunt and the young actress who plays their daughter, who is um, Millicent Simmons. Millicent Simmons, who is real, I believe she's deaf in real life as well as in the movie. And so they use sign language and things like that to communicate. And it's it's a movie that I believe he describes as kind of a love letter to his kids. And when you watch mm-hmm. the movie, you get that. You you really get that. You know, the parents doing everything they can to protect their children. And, you know, it's, it's a really, I think, really well done movie. I, I think it kind of got lost on a lot of people's lists because it came out so early in the year and stuff like that. But it's held on. It's held on in mind. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's, you know, the thing that's with top 10 list, man, is it's like, it, it only comes, it comes down to personal stuff more than anything, because there are a lot of great movies that came out that you could have flip-flopped certain things out, but this is definitely one of my favorites, too. I mean, I love the movie. I, I loved, it, it's inherently a movie that it plays to the strengths of directing, uh, or making, our good direction, because a lot of the movie has to be done through visuals, and that's, like, where pure directing and pure cinema can come from, you know, where... You know, you know, like the silent era, which we've talked about. You know, like it's it's a lot because there can't be a lot of talking because of the the the, the what the story's about. They had to do a lot of things through just visuals, right. and that 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 stuff worked really well. And and um, it it, it it takes somebody that knows cinema, you know, to be able to do that. You know, and I think that's something that's a good sign for John Krasinski's career moving forward. I think, um, but yeah, I mean, I think the acting's solid. I think. Um, I think Emily Blunt is just amazing in the movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dan, any any thoughts on Quiet Place? Yeah, I'll tell you right now. When you when you first sit down for a Quiet Place, you don't expect what happens at the very beginning of this movie. And it came out in April, so you know I don't really want to spoil it. But pretty much everybody has seen this film. There is a tragedy right at the beginning of this movie, and you're completely shocked by this tragedy that happens right at the beginning. You're like. What the heck just happened? Then towards the end, something that's the most noisy, loudest thing you can imagine, and they cannot make a sound or they will be alien chowder. 
<laughs> and it's so amazing the 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 uh, sound and editing in this film. You don't really talk about sound editing that much, but this film or sound mixing or or whatever, this film really brings it to the nth degree. Sound mixing and sound uh, editing and all that. Those are Oscar categories that you don't really hear. This movie did a great job with those, and I thought that definitely, yeah, yeah, most definitely, definitely. All right, well, uh, now we're down to number seven for Andrew. What well, you got? It's, it's at my number eight. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, eight, that's my number meant, eight yeah. is Dan's number ten, uh, yes. the favorite, or I believe it was awesome. his number ten. Uh, I kind of forget what yes, happened yes. five minutes ago. It is. Uh, I got and you. So this is, of course, directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, who is famous for doing very odd movies, Dogtooth, The Lobster, uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. And this movie is also a little bit weird, but I would say this, it's probably his most accessible movie out of all of the movies that he's made so far. It stars a really, really good cast. Uh, and... Um, uh, Olivia Coleman, who was probably going to win the Oscar. Rachel Wise is in it. An all-time kind of favorite of mine. Emma Stone's in it as well. Um, you all, I believe Nicola, um, Nicholas Holt is in the movie as well. He has a great small role. Um, but this movie is a period piece. It's set during the uh, reign of Queen Anne in the, seventh, in the 18th century. So we're talking 1700s. This was before King George III and... American Revolution and all that stuff. It's it's much earlier on in the in the in that century. I believe it's like 1705, 1709, somewhere around there. Anywho, she's an older monarch and she's kind of living in this, you know, country chateau and her mind isn't quite right. And Rachel Wise is her longtime friend and now her caretaker. And what happens is Emma Stone is a, a Queen Anne's cousin, and she comes to live, and she kind of upsets upsets the order of things. So now there is a power, there's like a power struggle between Rachel Wise and Emma Stone, and it's a really well done uh, drama, but it also a lot of comedy is in it as well. Physical comedy, period type comedy, where they're kind of making fun of the pompousness of the time or the the just the way people acted at the time and it's really really funny if you're familiar with that time historically uh yorgos lanthimos also has a great way of shooting this movie like you know switching uh angles getting very odd angles sometimes he would have he would go from like a wide angle to like a fisheye lens and things like that really really fantastic um and i just really love his penchant for you know, making these weird movies that you're really not expected to see. And the film is just filled with themes. Like there's a, there's a, um, a kind of an underlying, uh, homosexuality, uh, lesbian type theme throughout the movie as well. There's this, you know, sexual stuff like that. And there's power, there's power struggles and things like that. It's really a fantastic movie, extremely well acted. Definitely. And then the screen, the screenplay itself, when it came to the dialogue, I thought was really sharp really well done um so i really really enjoyed it so that's why it ended up at my number eight yeah and uh, dan also you know so go ahead yeah, dan you, you you've feel about it yeah yeah well it's not on it's not on my list so yeah well andrew said a lot uh i'll tell you what the cast olivia coleman emma um emma stone and rachel vice are all incredible if they don't get nominated for academy awards it's a travesty i mean all three of them really deserve 
I think, I mean, my, my fifth spot on director has changed over the last couple months. And I got Yurgos Lanthimo in there at the fifth slot uh, as far as getting direct uh, uh, nominated for best director. I think he's, this is his best film he's directed. You know, everybody might have uh, different opinions about that. But also there's a character in the film who's like a, kind of like the voice of the person sitting in the audience, kind of like the the everyman who speaks and who you're like, okay, what's going on here? And this is what's this and this is what's that. And that's David Tennant. He plays a kind of like a a government guy where he's talking to the people, talking to the uh, the parliament and stuff. And he really has an interesting role in the film that has a lot of dialogue that really gets a lot of what this film is about across in his dialogue. So uh, I just want to make sure that people understand he has a very important part of in the film. David uh, Tennant does as a kind of all the parliamentarian or whatever, but you hit, you hit the nail on the head, the fishtail camera and Nicholas Holt is fantastic. They have these crazy dances, but the number one thing that makes this film great is the cutting edge humor that really just digging. I mean, some of the most, digging and gripping humor that you just intelligent humor you know it's not like okay this is the funniest thing in the world but when you really think about it it's pretty funny and how these characters get at one another in the film and there isn't really a lot of great comedies this year but this one was incredible in my opinion yeah it has that dark-edged humor at times which is which is humor that i like you know something that's a little more biting and a little more fierce in that regard um, yeah, I would recommend this to many, many people. Definitely cinephiles, modern cinephiles. I think will really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I you know, I caught this at Telluride when I went to Telluride, and I will say, you know, I liked it okay. I didn't love it. Um, I, it might have been that I saw this at the end of the day, like it was. A, I saw this pretty late, I think, and um, so I was kind of tired. It, you know, and it just didn't catch me on the first. I haven't seen it a second time yet, but um. I did. I did enjoy. I do enjoy uh, Yorgis's films. Uh, the Lobster's probably my favorite, um, but uh, I, it's definitely warranted warranted a, a rewatch for me. And, and 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 you know, I'm a fan of his filmmaking. I just this one didn't catch me on the first the first go around. But cool. All right. So I guess we're getting to my my list here. Uh, my number ten is. Uh, I guess I would call the the Dante's Peak of addiction movies this year. When when I say Dante's Peak, I mean the better version, the better story of addiction, which for me was Beautiful Boy. Um, Beautiful Boy is by a, I think a relatively new. I mean, I haven't seen any of his other films, but uh, Felix von I can't even say his last Gronigan. name. I'm even gonna try. Gronigan. Um, and this stars Tim- Timothy Chalamet and Steve Carell and some others. I think it, Amy Ryan's in there. Um, you got a, a office reunion there. Um, and this is a film that very much chronicles the uh, basically a story of addiction. You have uh, Timothy Chalamet plays Steve Carell's son, and you know it, it doesn't really get I would say too deep into the origins of where it starts necessarily, but you kind of get dropped into this situation and. You know he, you know he gets well for a while, and then you get to see the moments where things kind of, um, you know, kind of push him back into the life, and it goes back and forth, and it shows how, you know, something like this is not something that can just be fixed. And I think I think that that's why I loved this story. Um, the performances are 
are fantastic. I, I don't think they're getting a lot of love at the award season. I mean, I think Timothy Chalamet's getting a little bit of love, but I don't think, I mean, Steve Carell's basically not getting anything for this movie. Um, and I think he's really good as playing this father who uh, just seems to not understand that, you know, sometimes you can't fix things and sometimes you just not, you got to be there for somebody. And I, and that's kind of his role in the, you know, the, the, it's based on a book. Um, and, and these are two different books and they're from each point of view and they kind of mesh it together for this movie. And I, I just think it's a very interesting and kind of sometimes experimental the way the movie is come unfolds is kind of nonlinear and you don't really know when things are going on sometimes. And it's, 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 it's kind of a, a fluid, uh, a flowy movie. Um, but I, I really enjoyed, I got sucked into the story and the characters and I, I really liked it. Did you guys check this out? Yeah, I, I really liked uh, a beautiful boy, but I didn't like it enough uh, where I thought it should be in my like top twenty five or thirty films because I actually like Ben is back better, and I thought um, Julia. Roberts, Man, it goes way down to your thirties. Yeah, wow, Julia! You're, you're, I thought Julia you're, Roberts you're crazy. was better than uh, <laughs> I thought Julia Roberts was better than uh, Stephen Carell as a parent dealing with uh, a son's addiction. And that's what you mean by the Dante peak of because uh, yeah, ben I think is Ben is back is the I think Ben is back is the volcano. Oh um, boy! <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I did like Ben is back. I did I did like that film though. Yeah, yeah. I, I also like I also like volcano. Oh so. god! <laughs> Even though it's not as good as Dante's peak, yeah. but it's okay. Yeah, I, I have yeah, you, I have Beautiful Boy at my actually at my twenty five spot. So it's it's made top. You guys are crazy. Um, I'll say this: uh, Timothy Chalamet is amazing in the movie. He's nomination i think in hand i think it's a two-horse race for best supporting actor with mahershala ali uh but we're going to talk oscars much later on when we get when we get closer to the date but i think he's really good in the movie steve carell is really good kind of underrated the movie for me is a little um disjointed when it comes to the the way it's structured and things like that that's why it didn't rise as high for me but still a powerful story of addiction and how there really is no there's no quick cure for that. There's no easy cure for that, and it's kind Wait, of sustainable. I mean, pe- people will tell you that are that are have an addiction that it, it kind of it, it's kind of your life yeah. now. I mean, once you're addicted to something, you kind of never leaves you, and you have to always kind of you know keep up with it. You always have to kind of check yourself. You know? I just feel like there's been other addiction movies that have done it better. That's just my opinion. Well, that's that that's great for all time, but this is this year we're talking about here, and I think you know. I think I mean the, the two. This, I, of course, yeah. There's there's a lot of great addiction movies, but I think you know, or like Requiem for a Dream or something like you know, like great. Yeah, I I, I think that this was just a little bit more of a personal version of that. I, I that I, I haven't seen at least in a while. Um, I I liked it. You guys can go screw yourselves. <laughs> um, whatever your list don't matter. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right. So my number nine is another one that I kind of decided to bring into my list because. You know, at first it wasn't in my list, and then I was like, you know what? I remember when I first saw this movie, it just really, it really, sh- it really took me by. It really, sh- it made me question. It stuck with me for a long time, and that is "Sorry to Bother You." Um, Boots Riley, it's his first film. Um, you know, it, it's hard to describe this movie. Um, it's 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 it is a uh, it is a acid trip of a movie. Um, you got uh, white, uh, you know, black people doing white voices, and you got uh, I don't want to give her any spoilers if you haven't seen it, but basically, it's a movie about how um, uh, big corporations 
uh, take advantage of the people and and turn us into basically slaves. Where you know it's 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 got a lot of themes running into it. It's got a lot of heavy subjects, and it's also one of the funniest movies of the year. Uh, I really enjoyed. Uh, I, I'm missing. I'm blanking on the lead actor. The Keith Stanfield. Yeah, yeah, he is amazing in this movie. I think he's hilarious. You also have, uh, is it Tessa Thompson? Yep, yep. In the movie, and she's really good. And you also have like Stephen Yen's in there for a little. He's got a small role. Um, it, to me, it's just a very unique film, a very visual, visually colorful, and just it, it's not boring. This movie, well, you will not get bored watching this movie. And uh, it's one I've actually watched. I think three times. I own it. Um, and it's it, it's just. I think the most unique movie of the year, um, and 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 for for just that, um, I had to put it on my list because I think it's just so unique. And uh, yeah, Army I mean, Hammer too. Number. Yeah, Army Hammer plays this uh, the leader of the, the 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 owner of this corporation, and he's he's got a small role and he's hilarious. And uh, it's just hard to talk about this movie without spoiling stuff. Um, yeah, but it's well, it's it's me, super unique. Yeah, you know we're all, you know. Uh, I don't know about Andrew because I don't know a lot about his personal life, but you and I are kind of uh, employee. We're we're a, employees of the man, let's say, Stephen, and so we both can relate to being an employee, working for the man, and struggling and struggling and struggling all the time. And I actually did uh, telemarketing for a short time, and it is not fun. So I can see the struggle that that he's going through. But if you have worked and told away paycheck to paycheck to paycheck in your life, you can really relate to this film. And you can relate to the twist in this film. Even though I was at my press screening, a lot of people did not like the twist in the film. I thought the twist was so I don't know. I don't know that it's necessarily a twist. I, I don't think it's a twist. I just think that the it's a it's a tonal shift more than anything. It's like it goes super weird at the end. <laughs> I don't know yeah, that it's a yeah. twist, but you know, but it's, I, it, it gets I really su- loved it. Super weird. It's oh, I, my, lo- I loved it. Yeah, it's in my top uh, sixteen or seventeen in there somewhere. I had it in my top ten for a long time, uh, Stephen. Uh, you know, as you, if you follow me, you know, I I, I really love Sorry to Bobby. Yeah, yeah. Andrew, yeah. It, any it, thoughts? It, on- it's in my honorable mentions. It's it was in my top ten for a while as well, and then it. You know, as things got put in, it got pushed down down the list. But yeah, it's incredibly weird, different, original movie. If you're sick of seeing the same old movies coming into the theaters with the same predictable plots and all that kind of stuff, this movie's completely different. It's probably the most original mm-hmm. film we've seen in quite some time. Um, yeah, definitely give it a watch if you're into that type of stuff. Yeah, also, Terry Crews makes an appearance. He does. He does. <laughs> As his uncle. <laughs> yeah, he's in the trailer. But, uh, all right. Yeah, yeah. So getting to my number eight, um, and I believe this is one we're going to save for later, it's Annihilation. Oh, we're saving it. Um, yeah, we're saving it. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I'll say it's directed by Alex Garland, a uh, really great uh, sci-fi filmmaker. So, yeah, we'll, we'll leave that one for later, and now we'll go back to Dan where we're at his number seven. And my number seven was... Andrew's, I believe, what, number nine or ten, Andrew? Uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? His number ten. His number, number ten. ten. Yeah. yeah. Won't You Be My Neighbor? Uh, it's a documentary about Fred Rogers and about um, his toiling away at trying to make a children's TV show on uh, public broadcasting system, PBS. 
He had to go to the government and get money and show the government why his show was important. And when he did, it was like groundbreaking um, judicial hearing about it. It was, And the, the guy was like, yeah, you're going to get the money. And it was a huge. But it's more about educating youth, educating America, that people can be good, that we all have inherent good inside of us. And this man is going to show how good he can be and how he can educate children, whether it be uh, black people swimming in a pool or uh, about war or whatever. Um, I thought this documentary was so incredible. I cannot wait for the movie next year starring Tom Hanks. A year, it's like November it comes out. I oh, man, it so, seems like so long right now for that documentary, for the, the, the linear movie to come out. But uh, I absolutely love this documentary. And I want to just say this at the top here. What a great year for documentaries all the way around. I mean, I didn't watch a lot of documentaries going into this year. But this year, I made a point to watch more. And I saw so many amazing documentaries this year. And Won't You Be My Neighbor is just one of them. And I know Andrew wants to talk about this as well. So go ahead, Andrew. I do. I I saw this in the theater when it came out. And it was one of the films that elicited uh, a very emotional response for me. You know, tearing up and borderline crying and stuff like that. And, and when the movie ended, the whole place, like, dead silent and just walked out as if it was like a funeral like like in like that type of honorary you know moment of like you know wow this is just dumbfoundingly um you know appropriate that or they were just they were so moved like or moved or they were so like guilty that they suck yeah yeah because this, fred rogers was this, so awesome this movie made, <laughs> this movie can and perhaps has made people want to be uh better you know, personally, make them want to be better people, make them want to be more positive in life. Because the one thing that was apparent throughout this entire documentary and really apparent if you just watch Mr. Rogers is is it's not that hard to be good. It's just a matter of wanting to do it and having a commitment to do it. Um, and, and I love the way that he kind of battled, you know, philosophically for the moral the moral souls of children as society got more and more uh degraded if you will you know with you know with the news every night showing murders and drug overdoses and wars and all this kind of stuff and he wanted to educate children about that but he didn't want to fracture their their innocence or anything like that he was really one of a kind and the film definitely showed why he was one of a kind. And his show, his program was on for a long time. I watched it when I was a kid, and I know many, many people did. Um, so he kind of, you know, grew up with many generations of of, of youth. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a great I, documentary. I was one of them. I mean, I watched it in reruns uh, repetitively as a kid. Uh, the director is Morgan Neville. This yes. is only one of two documentaries he had out this year. Um, one, the other is about uh, Andrew's, one of Andrew's favorite directors, Orson Welles. Yes. He did the They'll Love Me When I'm Dead, which is uh, an accompanying documentary to Orson Welles' finally finished movie, The Other Side of the Wind, on Netflix. So check that out if you're interested. And it, it, it it's we won't get into that, but I'll just say that it's 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 good to watch. He's a good documentarian. He, um, he's put out a lot of documentaries, and I'll definitely check out a lot of his stuff. He produced 
uh, 20 Feet from Stardom, which I believe won an Oscar a few years ago. Um, yes, it did. Uh, so, yeah, he's definitely one to look out for. Yeah, I, I checked this one out, and I, I loved it too. I mean, I, I did not I, – I wasn't much of a, a, a Fred Rogers watcher, you know, growing up. I didn't watch the show, but um, I was more of a uh, Sesame Street or, uh, you know, Muppets or whatever, you know, the other stuff, whatever, Batman. Right. Um, but um, – yeah, I mean, it was. It's another example of something where I got to learn a little bit more about something I had heard about, but didn't know much about their life. And 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 it's yeah, it makes you feel like, you know, you know, how rare people like that are. And uh, you know that if you ever meet somebody like that, to to not take them for granted. Um, but yeah, great great documentary. I, I I it's in my honorable mentions. So, all right, so let's move on. Um, my number six. Number six. My number six. Uh, I already prefaced it with a great year of document documentaries. RBG is another phenomenal documentary. I just wanted to bring that in there. But my number six is Three Identical Strangers, directed by Tim Wordle, and it's um, a story about these three uh, boys that were separated at birth um, into, and they were they were triplets, and they were sent to three different families and the story uh the first 20 minutes or so is about them meeting up and the the, the story that it causes they end up on the donahue show if you don't know who donahue is donahue was a talk show host before oprah back in the early 80s and uh they were in a movie with madonna and so forth but then the story gets really crazy and you're you, it's a story out of a out of a science fiction or 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 or, or a, I don't know uh, maybe something on the on the lines of Frankenstein or something like that where you're dealing with crazy doctors and stuff like that and you just don't know what the heck you cannot believe what is going on and this is an absolute true story about these three brothers and um, I could not believe how incredible this movie was, and I absolutely love. And I think it's the best documentary of the year. I think it's one of the best movies of the year, let alone documentary. And it's sad that documentaries don't get added into the Academy Award Best Picture race because I think this would have a legitimate shot at making the ten. That's just another whole story uh, besides. But I absolutely love Three Identical Strangers. I can't say enough about it. Uh, what about you guys? Yeah, I I watched this. Uh, I rented it on Amazon uh, a few weeks ago, and yeah, it's a very interesting story. I didn't, you know, um, for, I don't know. For some reason, I can't. It's I have a hard. I I lean more towards narrative films, so I I have a hard time putting documentaries in my top in my top lists. But I mean, it, it's 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 probably my favorite documentary I saw this year. Um, it, it's very interesting. It's very much about you know nature versus nurture and, and, and all that kind of stuff like that, you know, do, do, you know, is it in our genes to act a certain way or to be a certain way, or does it have to do with, you know, are, are we influenced by others? Is that, is that the, is it more about the influence of others? Um, so it's, yeah, it's a very interesting psychological documentary. Um, I didn't, yeah. I didn't see it, so I can't comment on it. Come on, Andrew. <laughs> Come on. Come on, man. Wow. All right. Well, I'm surprised. Awesome. Well, I'm kind of surprised at that. Well, he, you know what, Dan? We're not you. We can't see every damn movie that's out there. I'll be honest. I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't find yeah. it. And then until Stephen just My number five. Said. 
Yeah, yeah. All right, Dan. Go on. My number five is um, a film that is a uh, a fourth remake of a film. Uh, it came out. In Wonder the 70s. what that could be. Wow. Uh, it came out in the seventies in the fifties. I think it's the fifties or is it the forties? I can't remember the fifties, the seventies, and then there was a kind of remake. They call it a, a remake, but it was kind of like a like a a honorable mention kind of thing. Like they, they were going for a remake, but it wasn't really a remake. I don't know what you call it, but it's called a star is born. Uh, and it's direct. <laughs> I didn't know what you're, I, you know, I did not know what you were I'll talking say, about. I'll until say you just this, said Dan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll say this. Uh, you, what you're, what Dan was trying to say, is there was one of the thirties, the fifties and the seventies. And then there've been a bunch of other movies that have copied the same exact plot line, but just didn't have the same name. Essentially. Okay. Yeah. Basically yeah. what Andrew just said. Uh, so it stars Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga and Sam Elliott, and it also has Andrew Dice Clay in it. It has Dave Chappelle in it, and it's directed by Bradley Cooper. It's his directorial debut. Um, this film is about finding somebody that has a talent and and trying to bring the talent to uh, light, and 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 also it's about another form of addiction, alcohol addiction, which I can relate to. I have a, uh, I have a alcohol, uh, alcoholic family. My alcoholism runs in my family. So I can really relate to the Bradley Cooper character in this film. Um, but the Lady Gaga character is fantastic. She sings. Okay. She sings her own songs. They wrote. This well, let's. I want to. I'm gonna go ahead and stop you there because it might be on somebody's list coming up. So let's not well, get too far. Oh, okay. I'll say this: it's not on my list. Oh man, it, Dan, you just messed up the surprise. Oh, okay. Well, because it. Well, God. Stephen, is it on your list? That's what I want to ask. It's on my oh, list. Okay. It's on my I list. I apologize. I apologize. No, no, no. It's my fault. I, I should have yeah, stopped. Stephen's supposed to be. I'm supposed to be stopping He's people. He's supposed to be I just, the referee I, I, here. I had a mind a mind freeze for a second. So hold, but, hold um, that Lady Gaga thought while you hold that Lady Gaga thought. Lady, <laughs> uh, okay. And then now we go back to Andrew, who is at his number uh, seven. My number seven is Cold War. Oh, stop you oh. right there! Let me stop you right there. I'm gonna I'm gonna put the red <laughs> sign up right there. I'm gonna throw the red card on the on the field. Whatever sports reference flag. you want to use, flag. flag up, a flag. flag. Um, and I want to stop you there, and I want you to move on to your number six. Okay, moving on to number six. My number six is blind spotting. <laughs> Bam! I'm gonna have to stop you again. <laughs> oh my goodness! Skidam! Stephen um, is stop you is on. the goalie today. Uh, yeah. And my number five is Black Klansman. Oh, I'm gonna have to stop you there. Oh, oh bam! Skabam! <laughs> bam! <laughs> Getting stopped left and right. My goodness! Excuse you. Damn, that was the shortest. Uh, That's the shortest we've round had. Uh, we've had. We just jumped up had. the. T- we just dropped the time. The running time on this podcast down about uh, yeah. twenty minutes. <laughs> that's why we. That's why we do it this way. All right, so we're gonna move on to my number seven, and my number seven is a movie I just recently saw, and it was amazing. And it was called Burning. Okay. Uh, I know. I know. Andrew saw this. Yeah, also. but it's not on think, my list. Did you, though, see, but... did you see it, Dan? Yes, I did. Yes, you did. Did you like it? Uh, I liked it. I, 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 yeah. I'm still have questions about it, but I did like okay, it. Okay, okay, but okay. So this is a, a Korean film. Um, it is directed by a man named Chang Dong Lee, and I've never heard of anything he's done until now. But I'll say I'm going to pay attention to this guy because this movie was amazing. Um, basically, it's about you have this man who. Um, 
I, I think he was just got done with his military service and he was he's finding he's kind of trying to find his place and he meets somebody from his past this girl and you know he kind of starts falling you know they have kind of a an encounter a sexual encounter he thinks maybe there might be starting to start some, something might start happening and then she goes on this trip to Africa and she comes back with Stephen Yen from The Walking Dead <laughs> and he's kind of this like uh, Great Gatsby type he's really rich but we don't really know what he does for a living is he's kind of got a mystery to him. And so, yeah, I don't want to give it away. I don't want to say any more, but this movie to me, um, you know, not only is it directed beautifully, but it just has such a almost, almost Hitchcockian vibe to it at, at, at points, you know, it, it very, very, you know, especially when the thing happens in the movie and you have to, st- you know, I guess it's not a mystery. I think it's in the trailer, but the girl goes missing and you don't know where she is. And so it becomes very mysterious and it's, it is a slow burn. This movie is a slow burn. If you can't stick with movies, if you need your movies to have uh, explosions and things in them, you're probably not going to love this movie. But to me, the acting is very subtle. Steven Yen, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm ready to see more Steven Yen and and some more dramatic roles because he's he's very very kind of sleazy in this movie. You know, he's very he's very smarmy, smarmy and and uh, I just can't say anything about it, but it's it's fantastic. Um, and yeah, yeah. Well, I, the thing is, Steven, I think it's more like Rear Window in a lot of ways, uh, without the just the closure of being in like a small little neighborhood like that. If you really think about Rear Window, Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window, this is very similar to it. Um, I, I the, the cat is the big thing that I, I thought was interesting in the movie. It's like, well, that, go ahead. The themes are, I mean, the themes, I, I meant to say, the themes in this movie are, are themes of class. Um, you know, I can't get into specifics on why, but there are a lot of like, visual cues of that like the, the main character lives literally right near the north korean border which if you don't know you know north korea's you know there's been a dividing division there for a long time and um also like there's a moment where you see trump on the tv spatting stuff about whatever he talks about these days and and so there's an obvious like you know, political message there, social message there. And then there's other things, but I can't talk about it because it would give away stuff. But it's very much about the class disparity and, 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 and it's, it's great. I mean, I know you've seen, you've seen it too, Andrew. What did you, yeah, I've seen it. I, I watched it last night. That's how recent it is in my brain. Wow. Um, it, yeah, it's a movie that, like Steven said, it's a, you know, uh, pun intended or unintended, whatever. Uh, it's a slow burn. The movie is, two and a half hours long it's not uh it's not a fast-paced movie it's not it's a thriller but it's a slow-moving thriller and like steven said it is about you know classism uh but it does have a very hitchcockian vibe i'll say it also has very david lynchian vibe uh you know there's some there's a surreal quality about that movie um, in in terms of like hidden mystery and things like that, and things aren't what they appear to be, or they are they what be, they appear to be. You know what I mean? It could be very, ex- it can be kind of existential. At Definitely times. for our yeah. main protagonist, who is yeah, you know, going through a psychological journey throughout this movie, and like you said, uh, that Great Gatsby uh, aspect to the movie, I think, is great because n- we don't get enough great Gatsby references in movies nowadays anyways. <laughs> so yeah, it's a really, really good movie. If you like foreign films and you are very patient with movies, I, I, I would recommend watching it. Um, it is kind of tough to find. It is coming out on Blu-ray here in the States in March. 
So yeah, you yeah. could probably find it then. And it'll probably be available maybe digitally someplace before then or around that same time. Yeah. Cool. Anything else, Dan? Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's, you know, talking about documentary. Another great year for – there's some really groundbreaking, very interesting foreign films. And um, definitely Burning is one of those. Yeah, I mean, I mean, of course, there's always great foreign films, but it seemed like this year there was a few more that I got to me. I guess there's a few more that I, or maybe I'm just paying attention more. I don't know. Well, what when it, it comes is, to foreign films, you kind of have to seek them out. You know, you have to you find. find yeah, them. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, going to my number six is another foreign film, uh, one that I caught at the Telluride Film Festival. I actually got to meet the director, and this is called Shoplifters. Um, I think I am the only one that saw this movie, right? Yeah, I I, I uh, had some problems. I really wanted to go see it today, but mm. things mm. came up and I couldn't go see it. So you're the only one that gets to talk uh, about I it. Know. This is all to this me. Is all, all this is to all me. you, Steven. I've, won, I've been uh, wanting now, to see it. Of course, you got you. I'll say this. You, you guys can speak. I mean, I think Andrew, I don't know about Dan, but I know Andrew can speak of how great the director is. I think you, haven't you seen at least I have, one I of I haven't her, seen or, any of his work have yet. Have you not? No. Wow. This, was going, this would, okay. be, would have been if I had seen it my first time watching one of his films and i've been wanting to see it because it's gotten yeah. a lot of critical acclaim it didn't it win uh at the con film festival last year i want to say yeah i'm pretty Capal sure yeah. or something like that i'll look that up while you yeah i'm while pretty you sure about why you love this movie well we're, t- we're yeah we're talking about uh, the the japanese director uh, hirakazu karoti or if i'm saying i'm probably saying it wrong but it's this is what i'm gonna say um and he's done other films like like father like son or um uh, I think it's called Nowhere. He you know, he's done a lot of uh, he's done a lot of great films, and uh, I've seen maybe about four or five of his movies. Um, and and he's just he's kind of like a modern day Ozu of sorts, uh, where he does a lot of movies about family um, and about the, the the kind of dynamic of family, and and gives you kind of different examples of that. And in this in this film, Shoplifters, you have this kind of uh, untraditional family where you have like three generations of family people um and but they're not related technically in any way they're they're all from they're basically all kind of drifters and they've all come together to live together to support each other and in the movie you have the the father and the son character uh kind of you know shoplifting stealing things and on their way home one day they find this girl who has you know ran away from home or is is, is stay, trying to is hiding from her family who has been abusive to her. So they kind of, I guess, technically kidnap her. Not really. She comes with them, of course. But you know, they take her in. They look after her. And through through that, you 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 get all these different dynamics of the of all the characters and and who they are and their morals and and it's just it's just a fantastic humanistic film. It's I haven't seen it since I saw that Tell You Ride, so I can't tell you all the great aspects of it that I could back then, but um, it's just a very uh, engrossing movie, and you you come to love all these characters, and by the end of the movie, it you really, you just, you don't want it to end. You just really don't want it to end, and you just, you wish you could help these people, um, and it's it's just, it's it's a magnificent film. It's, it's go see it if you can go. See. I, I know it's starting to come out in the theaters a little bit more now, and I think it's making its way to Blu-ray. I think in March also. Yeah, I think towards so, the end of March, uh, maybe like yeah. second or second second to last or and, last release day in March. 
And if you care if anything, I mean, I know Rotten Tomatoes isn't the end all be all, but it does have a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So it's it's got a lot of critical. There's acclaim. always one person who does that. <laughs> it's like. There's one, it was one it's guy. Like, uh, it's like, it, was pro- it was probably Dan. Dan. It was Dan, <laughs> yeah, right? Dan, no, are you certified in Rotten Tomatoes? Are you certified? Uh, probably uh, Roger Moore from uh, the local film. Yeah, film there's always from Orlando, somebody. More than like it. Yeah. He's yeah. not. A, he 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 likes to uh, bash films sometimes. Yeah, and it did win uh, the Palm Door at the Cannes Film Festival last year, uh, which is their highest honor. It's basically their Best Picture equivalent. Um, so I was right when I said that. Yay me! Yeah, awesome. Good job. I remember good job, Eve, Alicia Malone talking about it and how much she absolutely loved it. So I knew it was on my radar. It's just this is the first it came to yeah. my area and i had some problems uh transportation problems and i wasn't able to get to the theater to go see it today i, I feel bad about that yeah i, f- I feel free i mean there, all of us i think have got a couple yeah. movies we wish we could have seen there's a few on um, my li- yeah shoplifters is one of them there's a few i just haven't yeah. gotten to now i, th- I think it would have made your list andrew probably. no no we, we we have similar tastes and i think you probably would have yeah, put you it on me- your list you mentioned ozu and i get my my radar sticks way your, way your up. tingles your little tingles <laughs> go yeah, off yeah, yeah. Uh, but but it's it's definitely a beautiful film and um, it very much plays into he I, you know he did a Q and A after the screening and um, talked about how this kind of connected thematically with a couple of his other films um, like Father Like Son and a movie called I think whew, I can't remember what it was called but it basically movies about you know dysfunctional families or, or family dynamics and and it's. Yeah, it's it's beautiful, and I actually got a chance to shake his hand and thank him, and it was a great experience. I was I was glad I was able to see that movie there, um, and because he, he hadn't been in the country to do, he hadn't been to Telluride in I think ten years or something. It was it'd been a while, um, so so yeah, fantastic film. And now we're going down to my number five, which we stopped Dan in his tracks, um, and it's Stars Born. Um, as Andrew said, he said he didn't have yeah, it on it's his actually, list. It's my number 11, just outside so, the so, top 10. So, so, so he really liked yeah. it. He really liked it. Um, I think we are all surprised at how great uh, Bradley Cooper did directing this film. Yes. Uh, that was probably my biggest surprise because I think I always, I've always thought he's a pretty decent actor. Um, but I will say his acting goes up a notch in this movie because uh, he, he's such a likable character and, and also a very – uh, just an emotionally de- deep character in this movie. I, I love I love this movie and the music and and it's just it, to me it's the it's my favorite mainstream film of the year. Mm, wow! So. I mean, I think I think a lot of people are starting to think of this film as a film. Okay, we've seen it three times. This is just another version of it. But I'll tell you what, it really hits on themes of of. Uh, a family, uh, the relationship between Bradley Cooper and Sam Elliott, uh, that was that was big big with me. Uh, the alcoholism was a huge thing with me. I really really resonated with Bradley Cooper uh, as far as that goes. And seeing Lady Gaga, see, I never saw um, her TV show that she was on, and so I didn't know what kind of actress she would be. But she really she took the makeup off took the hair off, took all the f- crazy costumes off and just really stripped away everything and really gave us a grounded performance. And then as the movie went on, um, Bradley Cooper had her elevate her her c- character. And, and I thought that worked very well. That scene where he asked her to turn around, I know it's in the trailer and stuff, uh, 
And she says, why? I just want to get another look at you. I, I, I can look at that. I could watch that scene over and over again. I thought that was such a phenomenal scene in the drag, the drag queen scene where she's in the drag thing, drag queen thing, and she's singing and stuff. I thought that was another great scene in the movie. Yeah, I, I, I think their I think their chemistry is pretty off the charts. Yeah. I think that was the that's the key of the movie is their chemistry is really good. The, yeah, their chemistry is fantastic, and she is really really good for someone who is not a traditional actress. You know what I mean? She comes from the world of music and entertaining, and there is a certain you know acting ability that you need to have to pull uh the stuff off the to be an entertainer uh but she was well, really the way good. she said the way she says it her first love was acting right so, so this is apparently this is a she, lifelong she, dream for yeah. her you know a passion yeah, yeah if you will um bradley cooper's directing is really really good for someone who is i believe making his first directorial debut uh but he's yeah. learned from a lot of people i think he's worked with before he's worked with clint, e- oh, clint, clint eastwood clint, a few times yeah. i'll say this this is a better movie than clint eastwood's directing it's quite some time uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and he but he's also worked with other people like david o russell and people like that and whatnot yeah. uh he's i'll say this what needs to be said is his acting in the movie is fantastic the, what his character yeah. has to go through personally mentally is really really uh well shown shown in a very unique and very real way like dan said without battling alcoholism and also pills as well you know he's got a drug problem too and and, and also he can sing he did do Bradley his own Cooper singing sing. like uh i remember yeah. uh, uh lady gaga demanded that they sing their own songs and he was like no i'm not i'm not a singer well say well they, they demanded to sing live live which is they wanted they wanted to ca- capture it right, live, which yeah. is tough uh, really tough to do Mo- when it comes to singing and movies i hate to break people's uh bubbles about this but it's mostly done in post it's all adr yeah well you know and they're mining. yeah i mean they definitely they definitely did probably some they definitely did some work on it i'm sure in right post, but they they but the, when they did the performances like at the you know what they would do is they would show up to actual Film, uh, like big fe- fe- festivals fest yeah. yeah and they would they would jump in and do a song and they would record it but you wouldn't be able to hear it out there in the crowd they were recording it because they didn't want to give away the songs yeah for the i movie. mean it's kind of they, so, they're, they're, yeah. they're powerfully well shot songs great cinematography throughout the movie as well and what i really like this movie what i really like about this movie the most is that it does take a lot of uh stuff from the previous incarnation specifically from the barbara streisand chris christopherson one which literally deals with a uh, an older, more established singer, and then someone who he's, uh, you know, a, pro- a prodigy who he's helping out. Um, he takes it in a more uh, interesting way. I don't want to say why, but it just the way in which their relationship goes is different than you've seen in the other incarnations. It's it's not the usual cliched way, and I really really enjoy that they took it a different route. Yeah, this is a heavy favorite in this award season. Um, it's definitely going to win best song at every single award show that has one. <laughs> oh yeah, right, definitely. Shallow. What a Shallow's going to win everything. Yeah, it's a great. It, it, and honestly, I mean, I bought the soundtrack. The, a lot of the other songs are really great too. The one that Bradley um, Cooper sings is really good. That's not shallow. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe it's time to let the old ways oh, die. Oh man, he's yeah. a, and and and, yeah. and and you want to talk about um, he actually did voice work so he could sing, but also. So he sounded more like Sam Elliott. So they sounded like they would be related because they're brothers in the film. And I'll tell you right now, if you know what Bradley Cooper sounds like, he sounds nothing like Sam Elliott. So they sounded a lot alike, which he definitely, yeah, he definitely had to get that lower register. That was the, that was the main thing. But, um, all right, well, 
we got that talked out, and now we're gonna move on to uh, Dan's number four. So we're getting down, to, we're getting close to the nitty gritty here. We're in the second half of the list. So no, number four for Dan. Uh, my number four is a film that's been getting. Uh, it hasn't made a lot as much money as I thought it would make. Uh, coming off of two phenomenal films, Whiplash and La La Land, Damien Chazelle's third outing, uh, First Man, starring Ryan Gosling as Neil Armstrong. Uh, Claire Foy as his wife, uh, a a Corey Stahl as Buzz Aldrin. I mean, it's just a who's who of uh, character actors and whatnot in this film. But some of the some of the p- parts about the film that are really underrated. I mean, it's I guess not now that the award season starting to come out is the the uh, score by Justin Horowitz. Uh, also, the uh, special effects you don't see. The special effects uh, in this film because they're so seamless. It's like okay, I'm watching a film that takes place during the 1960s and during the uh, the space race, and that was a big part of the film as well. The space race, going from trying to beat the Russians who had beat us to various different things, putting a satellite up in space and so forth and whatnot, and having. Um, having problems and tragedies that happen along the way. And so this really affected Neil Armstrong as a person because he was kind of a subdued guy, but he was also so under stress about being the first person to land on the moon and being somebody that the whole world is going to look up to as the first who ever did this. And so it really affected his family life and his wife, his relationship with his kids and his wife. And I thought I thought this film handled this so fantastically. Uh, and I just don't sometimes I, just, I I look at when people talk about films and they're like, oh, it's boring. It's bo-. But this this was a really interesting film. I didn't think it was boring at all. I thought it was very interesting. And I loved every moment of the movie on screen that I watched. And. Uh, I can't wait to see another Damien Chazelle film. I absolutely love this film. Yeah, this is when I also caught it Tell You Right and and yeah, I mean I I liked it. I mean it's in my honorable mentions, but uh, I just had some issues with the mostly just kind of some script stuff that I thought I didn't think that it I mean, and maybe not just script stuff, but probably just a little bit of the the direction in the sense of like trying to convey emotion. I, I don't think that it was always the movie didn't always do a good job of conveying emotion in, in certain scenes, but I mean, that's just my, that's my opinion. And maybe with another viewing, I, I might feel differently, but I do agree sound, the sound, you know, editing and mixing in the movie is, is amazing. Um, and, and the score is amazing. And it's the two things I told people when I first saw the movie was the best part. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, Andrew, yeah, it, it's in my honorable mentions. It's at my number 12. It actually was in my top 10 for a while. Yeah, it's technically one of the best movies I've seen from 2018. Technically meaning cinematography is is fantastic. The sound mixing, sound editing is amazing. That score by Justin Hurwitz is the best score I think I've heard from last year. It's it's incredible. It's it's a movie that it was not the movie that I think people expected it to be, therefore people were disappointed with it. But <coughs> but it is a movie that I think is going to be more appreciated as time goes on for its technical aspects. And I think the story itself is really grounded in reality for a movie that's literally about 
outer space, you know, getting to the moon. Yeah. That whole moon sequence at the end of the movie, I think, is it was awe, was just awe-inspiring to me. Just the way it was shot with the music and cinematography and just the majesty of it all, of the accomplishment of landing on the moon. You know, some people don't believe that we ever landed on the moon and all that kind of stuff. I, <laughs> I had somebody comment on my... Uh, uh, my video when I did the review for my channel saying like you know great review but I think is I think the movie's pro- uh, propaganda and I was like oh why why do you th- why do you think it's propaganda he's like oh because I don't think we you know I don't think we landed on the moon it's the movie's just promoting that we landed on the moon and stuff like that and I'm like all right that's, that's what you want to believe fu- what's, fu- <laughs> what's funny about that is is you know you got a similar thing that happened but it was a negative aspect it was negative part of the you know when when the movie was you know came out and people were like criticizing it they were saying how it didn't really show the american flag yeah, they, they, in that scene they criticized it for not being i guess pro-american More propaganda patriotic. enough and i'm like the movie itself is the personal journey of neil armstrong it's not about the space race specifically it's not yeah. a documentary it's about him uh his emotional journey getting through personal things his relationship with his wife uh, who was portrayed by Claire Foy, who was fantastic in the movie. I think Gosling's amazing in the movie as well. I think he's an underrated actor. He's well, able think, to do so much. I but, think the people, the problem people have is because what you're saying, he's a subdued uh, character. He's the, the character that Ryan Gosling is playing is a subdued character. So he has to play him in the context of who the person was. Right. You can't play somebody with this bombastic, crazy kind of... And that's where the wife, played by Claire Ford, really, she has some bombastic kind of scenes going after the guys and all this stuff. Yeah, she, she's more um, emotional, where he is very much emotionless. And that's actually kind of tougher to play convincingly as an actor, because acting is all about emoting and things like that. So I thought Gosling was fantastic as playing Neil Armstrong as people remember Neil Armstrong to be. Yeah. I absolutely 100% agree. Yeah, I just find it a little bit hard to believe that somebody could be that subdued all the time. Um, So, yeah, that's a little bit unrealistic to me because in in, in private, somebody could be a different person. And, you know, who's to know that he wasn't a different person? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's like, it's just a little, he he was literally always like, you know, like quiet all the time and keeping things in. And I'm like, in the movie at least. And I'm just like, eh, I could use a few moments of some actual intensity. Um, But um, all right. Next, uh, moving on, Dan, what is your number three? My number three is another first. Uh, We got two first back to back here. Uh, A a director, which I'm very familiar with his writing because he wrote some of my favorite films of all time, um, Raging Bull and Taxi Driver. And he also wrote... The Last Temptation of Christ, who we work with uh, my favorite director, Martin Scorsese, but he also is a great director in his own right, and that's, um, he wrote, he directed a film called Adaptation, and uh, his name is Paul Schrader. It's his latest work called First Reform, starring Ethan Hawke as a, a small church pastor who is getting ready for like a, a centennial, a, a 200th year centennial of this little church but in the town there's a super church and um the pastor of that church is cedric the entertainer and so he gives him advice they talk but the main story is a woman who calls him up who needs help with her husband and she's played by amanda seyfried uh i'll tell you what this is 
this performance by Ethan Hawke is so good. He's been giving us so many good performances over the last 10 or so year with the Beyond, uh, the Before Trilogy and Boyhood and so many of these great films. But I really think you really get what a great actor Ethan Hawke is. And the strength of this film is its script by Paul Schrader and the direction. I know it has that crazy scene where they they're cut, they go off into this kind of weird place. I'm not spoiling it. The movie came out uh, ten months ago. Uh, it's on yeah, well, people say, pe- pe- yeah, well, yeah, but people say you're spoiling things when it's movies five years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Not, I, it's not. It's not. not be unrealistic to the. To people's uh, craziness. Yeah, no, you're right. So, I understand where you're coming, but uh, but yeah, there is a weird scene, and, the, it, and it's a little bit jarring. Yeah, yeah, it's but, a movie that is, like Dan says, it's 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 good. It 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 came out much early, like Dan just said, like months and early, early on this year, and it, it, the people were having that that buzz about it, specifically for Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke is yeah. fantastic in this movie. He's kind of um someone who's predominantly uh had his his entire career play out in the indie movie realm. He never really does a lot of mainstream stuff, and this movie is very much an indie movie, even though it does have Paul Schrader, who has, you know, played in the mainstream field before. Um, and it's a movie that has a lot of great themes in it as well. It's in it's in my honorable mentions. Um, it's it's really, really good movie. Um, it, it is kind of, you know, like, uh, it... it you know, Diary of a Country Priest or something like that, where it's like a priest who has kind of lost his faith or whatever, who is struggling with his faith. And it's a it's a really good, good movie that I really, really like. There's one aspect of the plot that I won't delve into that was like, oh, OK, I don't know why that's in this movie specifically, but it's in here. Yeah. Uh, that was the one thing that kind of knocked it down a little bit for me. But I really, really like this movie. It's definitely the best Paul Schrader movie uh, that we've gotten from him in a while. He is, some of his recent movies aren't so great. He's done a couple of Nicolas Cage recent direct-to-video uh, specials. Well, we know, we know them are, we, we know them are good. So, uh. <laughs> and I remember, I remember the movie he did years ago with Lindsay Lohan, uh, The Canyons, is just atrocious. <laughs> so bad. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, look, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of... I don't even. It might even be in my tw- in the twenties for me. I, I don't have it that high, um, but it. Um, I, I think the biggest thing for me that I, I I didn't enjoy about it, and it's what you. I think you said you liked. I, I think the direction is kind of weak for me, um, and I, I, I'm okay with 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 movies where the direction doesn't have a lot of movement, but it has to fill the frame with interesting things, and I just think that the frame, a lot of the cinematography and the like, the set. The set, you know, design and stuff was kind of boring. It was very bland, and I and I just could not. It, it, there was not enough going on. The acting could not carry every scene for me. Um, as good as Ethan Hawke was, the, the scenes couldn't be carried strictly by the acting. There were there wasn't enough interesting things going on in the frame, or things to look at, or things to take in that that could keep my attention. It, it was just a little bit too bland for me. But you know, yeah, that's just that's difference of opinion. Anything else, Dan, with that yeah, one? Yeah, I just uh, – I thought the script was the strength of the movie. I understand that you you didn't uh, agree with some of the direct directorial decisions, but I think the script is the strength of the movie, the, uh, the film, and the performance by Ethan Hawke. That's why I love it so much. Definitely, definitely. 
All right. Well, <clears throat> down to your number two, man. We're getting there. We're almost there. My number two is uh, a little film called Black Klansman, directed mm. by Spike Lee. Um, and I know Andrew's got this on his list. So yep. uh, after I'm done talking, Andrew, feel free to say whatever sure. you want. Um, it's uh, stars John David Washington as Ron Stallworth and Adam Driver uh, also. And it also has like Corey, um, Corey Hawkins is like a, um, um, a, like a black Panther type guy speaker. Um, it's got Liz from Spider-Man homecoming, uh, in it. Uh, if you remember her from Spider-Man homecoming, she's in it. She has a, a prominent role as a romantic interest, but this film is about, uh, a man who in, infiltrates the Ku Klux Klan in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and in the seventies, but because of his voice, they don't know it's a black man. So in the in the in the meetups, the actual meetups between the clans members and uh, the police, Ron had to get a Ron Ron, Ron Stallworth. Ron Stallworth had <laughs> to get a white officer to play him, and that's where Adam Driver comes in, and uh, the the tension. The, the comedy, the, there's so much about this movie that is just so good. Also, a guy that you don't think about playing, David Duke, the head of the Ku Klux Klan, Topher Grace. I mean, he's fantastic in the film. Genius. Genius. Uh, but this is such a great film. And I'm a huge Spike Lee fan. You know, Malcolm X and, and, and um, films like that, Do the Right Thing and so forth. It's so unbelievable that this guy has not been nominated not even won an academy award has never been nominated for an academy award for directing he has been nominated for writing um and i believe that was malcolm x if i'm not mistaken uh but absolutely love black Klansman. it was my number one film for the longest time on my list until i started seeing some more films and uh one of the things i want to bring up real quick is he was at the uh, Spike Lee was at the Cannes Film Festival. This film premiere, he said, it's the moment, it's the biggest moment of his entire career. When the movie was over, he got like a ten minute standing ovation for this film. So that tells you, if a bunch of strangers in France can stand up and give you a standing ovation for your film about Ku Klux Klan members in Colorado Springs, Colorado, you know you're on to something. Yeah, it's it. When I first saw it, it supplanted itself in my top ten, and it's been there ever since. It, it's it's higher on Dan's list than it is on mine, but it is at my number five, like I said before. And yeah, pretty much to reiterate what Dan said, it's a movie that is really emotionally powerful at times. It has a sequence at the very end of the film that is just the hammer, you know, the sledgehammer to your face about the importance mm. of the the what the movie is trying to say if the movie wasn't already obvious enough in saying what it wants to say and, you know it's a very politically driven film but it's an importantly politically driven film about the you know cyclical nature of racism in America that is you know it's a movie that takes place in the 70s but that same type of hate that you see these KKK members uh doing or are is still exists today it's really it's really important to understand that and spike lee has always been a rather politically driven person um 
not only through his movies, but in his personal life as well. Very outspoken. And this was a movie that obviously is a passion project for him. And it's a really good movie. One of the best we've seen from him in a while, even though I liked his previous film, Chirac, which was, all, which was also a politically driven film as well about uh, violence amongst the black community in Chicago. It's very, um, you know, a social commentary on that. Um, it's a really good movie based on the the play Lysistrata, the famous Greek play, I believe. Um, but this film stars, like Dan said, uh, John David Washington, who is the son of, uh, surprise, Denzel Washington, who has been in several Spike Lee films, really making a significant mark on Denzel's career. And I believe, I believe he had a small, small role in Malcolm X. If you look at his IMDb credits, um, it's very interesting how those two are interconnected. It's really interesting how John David Washington is really only starting his acting career within the last couple of years. He's on the television show Ballers, which is the, you know, The Rock is some type of financial dude in the sports realm. It's basically entourage for the sports world, but John David Washington is in it. Um, it's in this movie. He really flexes his dramatic acting muscles um, much more than he's able to do in that field. So yeah, this is a really powerful, really important movie that I highly recommend people checking out because it's it, you're gonna hear it right now in the awards season. Spike Lee, uh, probably for uh, not only directing but maybe screenplay as well. John David Washington could also be nominated. Um, also definitely Adam Driver is really fantastic in this movie because not only is he throwing himself amongst these KKK members and trying to act like them, he's also a Jewish person and the KKK also hates Jewish people as well. They basically hate everybody that is not exactly like them. That's their philosophy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, great Yeah, film. I mean, I, it's a movie that was in my top 10 for a long time and it it it, it went to the to the number 11. Oh, it's so it's right just there. outside of my top 10. And um yeah, I mean it, I I I really love this movie and it I think what Spike Lee did with this movie that he doesn't always do with his movies is he talks about something he, you know, cuz for me I I find his movies to be sometimes very heavy-handed mm. with his messages. Uh so it kind of turns me off sometimes, but um in this particular movie, I think he does a good job of using comedy to help, you know, prove a, to say his points, you know, because sometimes when you're just being too serious all the time, it can turn people off. And I think he uses comedy to help, you know, level the playing field and make it more accessible for people. Um, and I love I mean, there's there's one of my favorite moments and I ain't a spoiler, but but, uh, you know, there's a scene where Adam Driver is with one of the. KKK members and he's basically questioning him to make sure that he's not a he's not a Jew uh, you know it's his Jew detector <laughs> whatever you want to call it and it's yeah he uses a lot of comedy in that scene to really you know to really talk about stuff but but also be funny it's 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 there's a lot of great moments there's a moment where you know Ron Stallworth you know is making that initial call and uses his real name, <laughs> which is what you're not, <laughs> you know, you're not it's, supposed it's, to do. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, well, you can't go then. <laughs> well, well, so you couldn't go anyway, also, yeah, you know. Yeah. Obviously, you're black. <laughs> you can't infiltrate, you know. But yeah, it's it's a great movie. Um, it's definitely one that just just got knocked out of my top ten. So, but anything else, Dan? Yeah, I just want to say what a breakout year for uh, John David Washington. Uh, he had Monsters and Men this year as well. And old man in the gun, which he was in, and um, 
the scene I want I, real quick the scene about when he's on the phone with the Ku Klux Klan member and the and, and then he's telling them and all the and all the guys turn around in their chairs that was such a funny scene and and that's that's the stuff that really balanced with the dramatic stuff like the um the lie detector scene that you talked about that's there's yeah. so many cutting you're like oh my god i can't uh, what's gonna happen and then there was those comedic scenes that really balanced this film out which made it so entertaining yes definitely definitely all right andrew we're coming we're coming down to the nitty-gritty here what is your number four eighth grade <gasps> we're gonna have to talk about that later okay Okay, number three, uh, which I don't, <laughs> I don't think either of you have this on your list, is You Were Never Really Here, the film by Lynn no, Ramsey. No, just outside of my top yeah, ten. Yeah, this is a film that I saw much, much earlier in the year, and it's been at my number two slash three for a long, long time, and it's stayed there. This film is directed by Lynn Ramsey, who is an Irish filmmaker, I believe, maybe Scottish, um... No, Scottish, yeah. Ah, they're they're the oh, same, right? Oh, you know, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding out there. Uh, yeah, she's directed a lot of indie films, films like Ratcatcher, Morven Collar. Um, we need to talk about Kevin. Is probably the film that most people know her from, um, the movie starring Ezra Miller and um, can't remember her name. Mia uh, Vasakowska. No, no, that's the uh, no, that's Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. But you were never really hear stars. Joaquin Phoenix in a role that seems tailor-made from Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix, an existential, dark, dramatic uh, film about a traumatized veteran who is basically hired as this vigilante to do certain things, to uh, res- uh, predominantly, uh, he he's sent about to, like, uh, you know, kill people or to rescue uh, young girls who have been captured and things like that. And he's basically a, a gun for hire, if you will, a mercenary. And in the film is also about like his psychological trauma that is just really affecting him really well. And he ends up getting caught up in something that he thinks is just a standard uh, thing where someone has stolen of someone's daughter, uh, I think, believe some type of politician's daughter, and then he has to go and rescue her, but it ends up being caught up in a much deeper, more complicated game that he's caught in the crosshairs of. It's a phenomenally well-directed film, very surreal, very slow, the type of art house movies that I really like. Also thrown in you know, a bit of mystery, like I said, and Joaquin Phoenix is a phenomenal actor. He is very, very nuanced in his performances, and he just really relishes these these types of roles. So I really, really love this movie, and it's one that I recommend to people who really like those type of art house, existential, surreal type movies. That's what this type of movie is. Yeah, I mean, I I, I will say it's one of my. This isn't. This is kind of an example of the opposite of how I feel about First Reformed because a lot of the direction in this movie likes to likes to stay still for a while too but i found that lynn ramsey did a better job of like using the times when she would do that to her advantage where she would you know there were i think one stands out to me where where joaquin phoenix enters a room and it stays in one like one 
shot like towards a mirror and he uses the mirror to be able to see what he's doing when he leaves the shot and it like he uses the fr- she uses the frame a lot better when she's doing still stuff than i think that they did first reform but it, yeah it's beautifully directed uh walking phoenix just continues to do these oscar worthy performances that get unnoticed you know he had he also had the sisters brothers which mm. also came out this year nobody's talking about that movie right. um i mean he's he's just it's just one of the i think most underappreciated i mean he's he's been nominated before i mean he for her i think as is, is what he's gotten nominated for but he's he's gonna get his due one day hopefully yeah and, he, and he's this, an, a, a weird individual remember a few years ago where he he put on that ruse yeah. where he quit acting to become a rapper and it ended up it's being like a like yeah. several years long like joke that he was H- pulling him on and, people. Him and K- <laughs> yeah, Casey Affleck uh, directed. Yeah, because he and Casey yeah. Affleck were actually uh, related. Like he, Casey Affleck was his brother-in-law for a while. So he was, you yeah. know, you know, he knew Ben Affleck and Casey Affleck as well. So he helped him out with that. Uh, yeah, but he's a very – he's a method actor I believe. So, very so it's very actor, interesting yeah. how he's going to be playing the Joker – Next uh, this year, I keep sometimes I still think it's 2018, but he's playing the yeah, Joker this year. I'm very <laughs> curious to see what he's going to do with that role. But uh, Dan, do you have anything to say else it, about uh, the movie? Yeah, I'll tell you what, I absolutely love this movie. Uh, it was in my top five for the longest time until I started seeing movies. You know, uh, I saw it so long ago. But um, to what Steven said, he he's had three great performances this past year. He won't get far on foot, Sisters Brothers, and um, you weren't really here. I mean, the guy is phenomenal. He's been nominated for Gladiator. He's been nominated for Walk the Line. He's been nominated for her. I mean, th- when are we going to realize how great of an actor Joaquin Phoenix is and give this guy some awards? It's it's, it's a travesty uh, that he's an American treasure. I just think because of his quirkiness and his weirdness of of, of him as a person that he kind of gets left out when it comes to some of the great actors living today. And um, yeah, what a great movie this was. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I think sometimes certain actors, they just, uh, if the movie isn't as good as his performance, sometimes that brings it down. And sometimes you just pick the wrong year. I mean, yeah. like, I mean, you pick the wrong year to release your great performance because you're going up against a Dane Day Lewis or, or somebody else just does something a little bit better than you. Jamie Foxx. Or the Academy. Yeah, yeah. The same year, was that the same year as Walk yeah. the Line? Yeah. So, so sometimes you just. You get unlucky with the year, you know, or maybe the movie, you know, maybe just doesn't hit with people in it. So it brings down the performance with it, you know, so it, it who knows, but, um, all right. Moving along. So we're moving, yep, moving along. My number two, I believe I'm at, is Annihilation. And Which was my number eight. Your number eight. So, yes. Uh, it is, I, yet again, another movie I saw earlier this year that, was my number one literally forever until the my number one movie actually came out, and then I was like, "Oh, I got a new number one." But I'll, I'll save I'll save that for for when it comes. Uh, Annihilation is directed by Alex Garland, and this movie is sci is existential sci fi art house sci fi. I it's it's very much in my wheelhouse. Uh, it's just absolutely fantastic. If you're not familiar with the movie. Uh, it's based on a book series um, 
with the first book, uh, I believe. Is, I forgot what the first book's called, actually. But anyhow, I think it's called Annihilation. But um, it basically, <laughs> uh, it stars Natalie Portman, Tessa Thompson's in the movie, Oscar Isaac is in the movie, Jennifer Jason Lee, Gina Rodriguez. Um, it's, it's a movie where it, it's another one of those movies where, like, something weird is happening and it's unexplainable. Um, something landed in some part of the United States and has created this zone called the Shimmer. Uh, and it, and anything that enters this zone really doesn't come out. Uh, they've like the the government has sent in these expeditions and all kind of stuff to find out what's going on, and no one comes back until Oscar Isaac, who is Natalie Portman's husband, comes back. And but he doesn't come back quite right. There's something wrong with him. So so yeah, he slips. He slips into a coma. Yeah, he gets he gets so violently ill and slips into a coma, and then she, along with the group of with of other female um, uh, people that are at this this government site, uh, she's a biologist, so it's like her and uh, I think Jennifer Jason Lee's a psychiatrist. Got, got some, Everybody has their own specialty. Like one is from the military, I was say, and stuff like that. that Natalie Portman's got military she background. She does as well. And, but Gina yeah, Rodriguez yeah, yeah. Is, is someone who's straight from the military. I think Tessa Thompson is some type of scientist as well. It's been a while since I've seen the movie. What is interesting about this movie is that it only was released theatrically here in the United States. And uh, and in, yeah. in the rest of the world was released on Netflix. So it didn't have the best uh, release pattern. I think it was a movie f- – I don't know if it was put out by Paramount or someone like that. Paramount's I think I think they don't know what the heck they're I think doing it was over there. Paramount, These days yeah. they're selling off properties, not letting properties go to the right places. Yeah, it was it was Paramount. But anyway, that's something else. Yeah. But this movie has a a really interesting blend of uh the surreal with reality in, in a very interesting way because once you get in this zone, this shimmer zone, time and space and biology and nature gets all wacky, gets very wacky. Things are very weird and unexpected. Um, animals are not quite what they seem. The vegetation is different. Time doesn't seem to move the way it moves here. And there's a, the, the, and I won't say anything about the um, plot-wise, but the third act of this movie is shot in such a way that is like just mind-boggling crazy. It's like, crazy. It's a reveal, but you don't know what's going on. You you just, it's unexplainable. Yeah. And I'm sitting in the, I, I I'm sitting in the theater and I'm yeah. like, this is amazing. I don't know what what's the hell going is on. Going this is on. amazing. What the hell is this? <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, and there's even some horrifying moments in this right. movie. Like there's some legit scary moments in this movie. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think that the main thing, I think what we take from this movie, the movie's thematically about kind of about self-destruction um, and about how we all kind of uh, find a way to, to bring ourselves down in this world, you know, like, and then of course there's more to it. It's a, it's a, it's a very symbolic movie. There's a lot of symbolism going on in the movie as you go further and further into the shimmer. Um, but it's, it's a very unique film. It's, it, I think it took a lot of people off guard, right. especially the ending. And, Al- and Alex Garland right now is carving out that kind of niche of very hard, sci- hard, hard sci-fi, sci-fi, weird sci-fi with, with this film Ex Machina that dealt with artificial intelligence, uh, that movie is a trip as well. Also, also, Oscar Isaac's also in that movie as well with Donald Gleason and Alicia Vikander plays the AI. That movie is fantastic. But Alex Garland started out writing books, actually. Uh, I believe he wrote the book 28 Days Later, which he then adapted the screenplay for the uh, the Danny Boyle film, 28 Days Later. Um, I believe he – didn't he work on Dread as well? Um 
Yeah, he, yeah, he's done some scripts yeah. for a few and movies. And I think the whole thing with the Dread thing is this is interesting. Where I think it just came out. I even think that um, that uh, the uh, the guy who who starred in the movie with uh, Carl Urban's pretty much said that Alex Garland may have direct actually directed the movie himself, and, and the other huh. guy didn't actually direct the movie or something like that. Anyway, look that look that uh. little trivia up. Maybe it's, it's a, a thing. it's a poltergeist. It's a poltergeist yeah, situation. Yeah, it's, a, <laughs> it's a poltergeist thing. Uh, we all know Spielberg directed that movie. Come on. <laughs> yeah, we know that. <laughs> but uh, Dan, but, uh, did you see this? Yeah. And uh, where does it fall for you? Uh, I did see Annihilation, and um, I'll be honest. When I walked out of this film, I, I, I was just like, "What the heck mm-hmm. did I just watch?" And it, it, I thought about it for a few days, and I just, I just, it just didn't sit with me that well and I just didn't really enjoy it as much as a lot of other people did and I'm I'm just so glad that you guys love this film and and, and I am a huge fan of Ex Machina I absolutely love Ex Machina but this film just didn't sit with me that well I just didn't like some of the um choices and some of the story uh beats and th- and so forth of the story uh the film but i don't i don't have anything against anybody else that do like it because all film is subjective so i'm i'm glad you guys love this film it's just not uh, one of my oh, favorites well, well well you're wrong dan you're wrong. no i'm just kidding <laughs> no we play nice here everybody's opinion matters here so um yeah i mean yeah i mean i can see why people might be turned off by the movie you're not under you know not necessarily enjoying it because it is it is once again kind of a little bit of a slow burn too um so yeah i mean you know it, it, it for a while i thought i had to think about that movie for a while myself before i really when I started to kind of decipher the movie and start to think about it more, and I, you know, I of course have watched it a couple more times since because I bought the 4K because I had to buy the 4K. I think the 4K was limited. Yeah, when it, it came was out only too. available at Best Buy for like a few, for yeah, like yeah. several months. Yeah, I don't know what. Yeah, they they bar- they. I don't know what they, they were doing this movie. I don't know why. I don't know what the deal is, man. But yeah, I mean, I I really loved it uh, as I as I started to to understand a little bit better, and it's. It's definitely. I, I can't wait to see what he does next because I, I don't. There's not a lot of directors playing in that sandbox right yeah, now. Yeah, De- Denny Villeneuve um, is kind of playing in that sandbox as well. Starting to, uh, yeah, yeah. It, that's why this film was very similar to me when I was watching uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Um, this very yeah, that similar sandbox of sci weird sci fi, art house that, sci fi. That you know, of course, Arrival is kind Arrival of that well, Yeah, and of course, you yeah, know, Denny yeah. Denny's and, doing Dune next, so. It's the oh, same area. Jesus, what Weird is, sci-fi. He's crazy. <laughs> he's crazy. Um, but yeah, cool. Awesome. So that was your number two. Now we're going back to yes. me and we can we can talk me and you, uh, Andrew, we can talk about this this gem of a Cold film War? that we both uh, yeah thanks for saying <laughs> well, it. Damn, God. Come on, I gotta move yes. it along now. <laughs> okay, sorry. Cold War. Nice. Or I can't even say the Polish yeah, name. I'm gonna for try it, but, uh, to pronounce this name. Try to say uh, it, man. Let me look, hold on. I gotta get it up. So I, it starts with a oh, Z. Zimlaz. I can't. I'm not let saying. Let me it. take a gander. <laughs> let me get the actual name up so I can actually try it. Uh, Powell Polakowski. Well, no, not the director. Uh, the name of the movie. Oh, called Cold. Oh, in, po- in, in Polish. Uh, in po- in, Zimna. It's like Zimna Volna. Yeah. <laughs> Z- Sounds Zimna about right. Volna, because uh, in 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 Europe they they don't pronounce W's the way we pronounce W's. Like there's no yeah. W like a wa, you know what I mean? It's pronounced with it's pronounced like but a yeah. Pa- Pal Pal Pazolowski yeah. or how is yeah, and uh, he had also done a film called Ida, 
which had won Best Foreign Film a couple years ago. And and uh, this movie is just, I mean, first of all, of course, it's fucking gorgeous. I'm going to use my first F word today. Oh, gorgeous. you only get one, Stephen. Ma- I only it, get make one. It, make it count. I made it count right there. Freaking gorgeous. Um, black and white, uh, same as Ida. Um, it, it's a, a film set uh, just after the end of World War II. Yes. Um, and it, and it's a, it's kind it's a, it's kind of a, a, a in a way a sweeping romance movie. Um, it is a short movie. I mean, this is you know we have a lot of long movies on this list, but this is actually a short one. It's only like an hour and a half long, and it kind of kind of uh, you know shows the shows this it follows this romance through the end of the the end of World War II and kind of how these two people who kind of are kind of finding their place you know, uh, in this world and they're both kind of trying to figure out where they should be. And, you know, because of certain circumstances, one person has to go one way and another person gets, has to go another way. And they fight between wanting to be together and wanting to do what's best for themselves. And it's, it's, it's just, a, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, it, it's, it's very much a Romeo and Juliet story, um, set yeah. in the backdrop of post post world war two, Europe, Middle Europe, like uh, the Eastern Bloc more specifically, you know, Poland, Germany, that area. And the film delves into a little bit about the political context of the time and the divide between East and West Germany and stuff like that. And the film is one of the most stunningly gorgeous movies I've seen from 2018. Just sumptuous, sumptuous cinematography that is framed in the old school uh, one three three one four by three Academy aspect ratio, which you, you don't see in movies these days, uh, really at all. And the film is in black and white and just incredibly gorgeous. He, he and we, we talked about this off camera before. He has an interesting way of framing. Stuff. Yes, he he uses a lot of headspace. Yeah, um, usually and, and a lot of and a lot of negative space when it comes to like a lot of wide shots. Yeah, which is incredible um, because with that with that framing. Is, is you have a limited amount of space to work with, and he utilizes yeah. it very, very well. There are some tracking shots. There are some still like just non-tracking shots, just wide shots of a character being framed in such a way to elicit a very, uh, a very interesting visual language. His film has a his films have a lot of visual language. If you haven't seen his recent film, uh, Ida which came out a few years ago, which I described as a modern-day Bergman film. It won the uh, Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film. And I would say if it wasn't for another certain movie that we're probably going to talk about really soon, this movie possibly could could win uh, Best Foreign Language Film again this year. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's a gorgeously stunning film. Yet again, a difficult film to watch. These foreign films are tough to find. They they don't get a big distribution releases. Um, as it is, yeah, Stephen had went, to sneak I do went a as, little sneaky sneak. And yeah, I went as far as I went as far as going to the UK, and it got a Blu-ray release over there. And I just went and, and, and dropped like twenty five dollars. Yeah, to get he, one. he did a little. He he, went, <laughs> he he circumvented the law, and he. That, I was like, screw <laughs> this. You're not gonna. You're not gonna put it in my theaters. I'm gonna go buy yeah, the Blu-ray I, from the. And UK. I think the Blu-ray is coming out here. Hopefully. This Soon. year, I, I think hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really want to yeah. see it. Um, it's a film I think is put out by IFC Films or someone like that. Uh, so hopefully it gets a Blu-ray release eventually. But yeah, this is a yeah, gorgeous that, film. It's it's one of the it's it's yeah I I'm not gonna it's one of the movies that just just the visuals alone you don't forget and the, it. the like acting it's, is it's, fantastic yeah. as well and the story yeah oh, is yeah. 
interesting in the way it's framed. It's framed in you know a, a almost chapter like. I'll say it's chapter like. It, 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 well, chapter, but it also I feel, I feel like that the way the romance is kind of unfolds kind of feels old school to right. me like uh, very much like old school classic hollywood romance movies where you don't necessarily understand like you don't necessarily feel like you've seen how they the, how they fall in love but they just do yeah and it, it like sometimes that turns people off and sometimes people just but go what is interesting is that it's kinda... almost non-romanticized in that way like there's no yeah, like, yeah. sweeping moment of like 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 a like a rather nobody grabs love. somebody in the rain nobody grabs yeah, somebody there's in the no rain like, and like kisses dipping them and kissing and like and like a sun like making out at sunset and all that kind of stuff no it's, it's, it's very, very it's very grounded. it's very subtle it's but very it, subtle it's grounded stuff, yeah. but it feels like a fantasy as well it's unique very unique filmmaking yeah anything dan did you any, see it, any, dan? Uh, any you want to you want to say how you're jealous that you haven't <laughs> no, seen it no i i actually have seen it no, you have seen you have seen it. I, I have seen it, and it's I, you know I, I don't know what else I could say. But you guys said so much about the cinematography. The other thing is, um, you know, you're talking about a volcano and a Dante speak. How about how about a Star is Born, a Vox Luck, and a Cold War? Uh, we got three movies with similar plots uh, out this year with the with the. Uh, story of a a you you could say yeah yeah I mean you really could, I mean like with, with Cold War you know at the beginning he's the the male character is, is is kind of a talent scout and he finds this female girl you know that's kind of you know with and it didn't really give away anything no, no, I guess. No, but I mean, yeah each film is based around music and singing yeah there's a little bit of music's a, a, an important a phenom, part yeah. uh, a musical phenom that is discovered uh, one way or another throughout the film and it's neat to see the three. Three films—they're so different, but they're so similar in so many ways. But the uh, this film is uh, way better than Vox Luck, in my opinion. And uh, what I mean, it's definitely going to get nominated in cinematography in uh, during the Academy Awards and probably foreign language film. And I'm not going to bring up the other film because I know you guys will probably talk about it. Right. But it's it's got a fight. It's it's got a fight. It might sneak in there and win that that cinematography, and that I, way that'd be great, you know. It's there's a lot of competition for that yeah. cinematography. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, it is. But 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 you know, I'm going to give you props for that, Dan. That's an awesome double feature. Um, or do, um, maybe not Vox Lux because I haven't seen it, but. A, d- a good double feature is Cold War and Star yeah. is Born. I'm doing it when I get Star is Born on 4K. <laughs> February, February. I'm sure you'll get it in yeah. February. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yes, definitely. Um, so anything else on, on uh, no, no, Cold War? No, I think we're moving no, on now to our, my, your next uh, one. My next one, which is number three, and this is one that I think was on my uh, list. Andrew, Andrew's number six, which is Blind Spotting. Yes. Um, another film that, you know, deals with, uh, you know, a, kind of a similar subject uh, of maybe like a black Klansman or some, sorry to bother you. Another movie kind of about racial tension uh, in America. And and to me, this one out of out of kind of them three, to me, stood out for me the most. Uh, I found I found it more the most impactful because it brings it more down to a to these two main these two main main characters here where you have uh you know one's black and one's white and they're both friends they grew up together and as they've gotten older um they've kind of started to grow apart it's something you've seen in a lot of films um but in this case you know they it's the white character who is kind of becoming the one you know usually it's the other way around a lot of times they've done in other movies but in this in this case it's the white character that's not understanding his place in the world and he's kind of you know gotten his friend in trouble uh and and 
you know, brought his life down with it. You know, basically the story starts off where he has, he's really close to getting out of probation. Um, you know, he, he, he's been on probation for like a year, I think. And he, uh, it's like three days from his probation ending. So it's kind of the journey to him getting to the end of that and trying to make sure he doesn't get in trouble. Um, and a lot of things happen. It's got a lot of comedy in it. Um, the two main actors, you got Tay Diggs, and I can't think of the other. Uh, th- th- Raphael Cassell Dan- and David Diggs. Yeah, yeah they, they're fantastic. The chemistry um, is fantastic in this movie. And it's just got a very, once again, another kind of existentialness to it in a lot of ways where the main character is is thinking is is you is the fear he he has is um is you know getting visualized in, in, in visions he has but he basically what sets off the movie is is that he uh witnesses a white cop shooting a black man and then has to deal with that on his conscience uh, as he goes through the next few days and it's i i find it to be a very in impactful film yeah uh, it's guys. it's a movie that is very underrated and kind of you know hovering under the radar i think for really hidden gems of 2018 um it's it's fantastic for a lot of the reasons uh steven said and i also really like the way in which the film is shot i think is also really interesting as well yeah. it's shot in a very surreal way and sometimes a lot of the dialogue is done through rapping or you know poetry kind of rap is poetry to a certain extent and yeah, yeah. that it, that was one of my favorite yeah, aspects it really gives yeah. the film an extra interesting layer to it uh, an extra interesting um feel or uh spice or whatever you want to call it style um flavor or as john schnepp would say flavor, flavor. um the late great john <laughs> schnepp would say gave gives the film a lot of interesting flavor uh and and i also really like uh, the themes of it are as well, our race as well, but it's also an existential journey of someone trying to better themselves, someone who is trying to make peace with their past and become a better person. Because as Stephen said, he is someone who committed a crime, spent some time in prison, and is now on probation. Well, yeah, I mean, from, from a sense of like public uh, how society is, a lot of times the the African-American characters are the ones that are – the troublemakers right. and in this case they switch that role reversal around in this movie and and i think that that it sh- shines a light on that and, and there's a this isn't a spoiler but there's a there's a moment in the movie where um the cassell character uh is watching tv and he sees a, uh the the guy that got shot on tv in the and it shows this picture and the picture is of him in a you know uh a, a picture of where he got sh- he got taken a photograph at jail his his mugshot yeah, mug instead of a a real like, picture of him as yeah a real like a person. regular picture of of him it does comment on the whole framing device in society where the stereotyping exists of you yeah. know of, of framing uh, of minorities African Americans Latinos etc cetera, etc cetera, in a negative light um, to 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 basically. Of people's fear of to, them to push an, push an agenda, agenda to push of a, fear and yeah. you know um, and hatred towards them. Um, it, it's and then the climax of this movie, without saying it, is really, really powerful, incredibly well acted as well, and incredibly well done. And the movie it, is, it definitely falls in that indie realm of of indie films that I think uh, people need to see. People need to go out and see. Yet again, it's another movie. I sound like a broken record. It didn't get that wide of a distribution release. Uh, it didn't. It didn't stay in theaters 
very long. It's now available on DVD and Blu-ray and and digital and all that kind of stuff. So go out and see it right now. Like after you watch this, go find it any way you Get can. It. Get it. Watch it. Love don't it. Be don't, don't be blind. Don't be blind. Don't be blind. Dan, what you got to say? I'll tell you what. I, uh, this is the better half of a double feature that I had uh, uh, back in July, uh, the last week in July. And I'll tell you what. Uh, uh, the girl, uh, the spy who dumped me was the other half, so we won't bring that up. Uh, <laughs> I already did, I guess, but that's a hell wow. of a double feature, Dan. Yeah, I know, uh, awful double feature, but no, this uh, a lot of folks thought this should have won the Sundance Film Festival last year, and not the uh, miseducation of Cameron Post. That people were raving about this film, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, David Diggs, I believe, was in the original cast of Hamilton and he, t- he, was, and he yeah. takes some of that and he puts it into this story. That's a great way to really express some of his opinions and some of his thoughts that are going through his head. Those scenes in the movie are very, very effective. Another film set in Oakland, California, uh, along with Black Panther, uh, uh, or sorry, sorry, sorry to bother. Sorry to bother you. I, is said Oakland. I'm pretty sure it is too. Uh, that's that's a theme of some films this year. And the other theme is uh, there's about four or five of these films where a police officer shoots somebody uh, and an innocent person. And it's like we're dealing with this head on when movies are dealing with this subject. You know, it's in the forefront. It's all over the news on on TV in newspaper. So it's a very uh, upfront, in-your-face topic that he's dealing with, and I thought they dealt with it very effectively. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, I, and I want to go ahead and brag here, but when I got my Blu-ray uh, on Instagram, I, I posted a picture, and uh, one of the stars of the movie, uh, uh, Raphael Cassell, uh, liked my picture. I wanted to go ahead and brag about that because it's oh, awesome. Oh, look <laughs> at this guy. Uh, social media. I love social oh, media. I got, tweet, I got likes you. on Twitter as well when I posted that. I was okay, it. Dan, don't let's not compare. <laughs> okay, We're, this is my moment here. Okay, <laughs> Talking, you're um, raining on people's parade. <laughs> this is my number three, okay? But uh, all right, so – we're going to move to – I'm not going to say what the movie is, but my number two is something me and, and Andrew share, so I will save yes. that one. And we will and we will move on to Mr. Dan Skip Allen's number one film of 2018. Give it to us. Give it to um, us. Uh, it's a film um, I was really looking forward to because I heard such great things uh, coming out of the Toronto uh, Film Festival back in September. And I'm like, could – when I saw the trail, I was like, oh, my God, this could – I mean, I wasn't like – Okay, this trailer is good. And I'm like, is it? I wasn't thinking this is going to be my number one movie of the year. But when I was hearing good things about it coming out of Toronto, I was like, okay, let, let me make this a point to see this film. And I saw it a month before it came out in theaters. I saw it in uh, late October, after obviously after the Toronto Film Festival. Um, and it's called Green Book. Uh, it's directed by Peter Fairley, and it's starring Mahershala Ali as Don Shirley and Viggo Mortensen as um um uh, the oh god I have it right here and I Val yeah, yeah Valalonga uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's um Lip Tony the Lip Valalonga Tony Lip Valalonga and uh Tony Lip works at a place we all might remember if we're a fan of Goodfellas uh the uh a a a nightclub called the um oh god come on 
Is it the Copacabana? Copacabana nightclub, which is Martin Scorsese has one of the all-time greatest shots in film history, in my opinion, the Copacabana shot. But that's just you know that's just me talking here. Um, and he is a bouncer slot slash uh, doorman and whatnot, and. They're closing down for some res- renovations, and he has to kind of look for some other work. And he hears about this guy named uh, Don Shirley who's looking for a driver. And that's one of the things he does as well. He's a chauffeur. And he's looking for a driver and a kind of a pr- protection because he's going to make a a trip down through the Midwest and into the South. He's a musician. He's a piano player, a classical piano player, Don Shirley is. And this is a a story of friendship and discovery and racism in the Deep South. And um, two people that don't know each other that well, they're getting to know each other on this trip. And, of course, there's a lot of tension dealing with the South and whatnot. And also, it has to deal with family because while Tony's doing this trip, his family's back at home, and it's during the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and so forth. So uh, he's writing letters, and he's getting help writing the letters. Uh, the strength of this film, though, is its script, a fantastic script, in my opinion. Uh, very good direction by Peter Fairley, but the, the main strength is its lead actors. Mahershal Ali, who we already know, has won an Academy Award for Moonlight, and Viggo Mortensen, who's been nominated for an Academy Award multiple times, most recently Captain Fantastic. Um, these guys are incredible in this film. This film really is the film that everybody needs to see and needs to be seen by as many eyes as possible, in my opinion. I think it's an incredible film. It's a beautiful film. It's a film about friendship and ex- and and. and Family and right now, friendship and family is something we, we we lack in this country and in the world. A lot of people need to start realizing how important friendship and family is. So, Green Book is is my number one. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a movie I enjoyed. I I had it in my top ten for a while, but I think I mean I think Andrew can elaborate more on it with me. But I mean, like it's we both kind of. I think for, I mean, him initially, but me, it took some time. Um, you know, I started, you know, listening to more opinions about this movie and just found that some of the, maybe some of the ways that the movie tried to portray the relationships in the movie wasn't necessarily always truthful or wasn't always handled as well as it could have been. I mean, specifically for me, like, I think that uh, the Tony Lip character by Viggo Mortensen, I don't think that we necessarily, uh, kind of a lot you know we don't we don't do too much when it comes to dealing with his you know racist uh aspects at the beginning of the film and there's not as is i would say as fluid of a transition between who he is at the beginning of the movie to what he is at the end of the movie but you know it's up for debate i mean i Andrew, what what are some of your thoughts yeah, on this? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll say this. The strengths of the movie for me are definitely the acting. I think both um, yeah, yeah, most both definitely. Figo and Mahershala Ali give great performances. I think Mahershala Ali, like I said before, I think he's going to get nominated, and I'm pretty sure he's the favorite to win. He's really, really good in the movie. Um, I think the movie has has certain script problems for in certain reasons. I think the intentions of the movie, I think, are good. I, but I think it streams lines a lot of its 
more important aspects in in a way that makes it a little too clean. Um, it's a movie that you know, it, it, like it's a little it's it it, fl- it fluffs up some, some of the stuff. stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. and there are some like outside things that were kind of bothering me a little bit, but didn't really you know affect me too much on the movie. I mean, if people are interested, you know, basically they didn't actually consult. Mahershala Ali's character's family when they made the movie, which just puzzles the heck out of me because if you're going to make a movie about somebody, the best source is literally the family that 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 was involved in their lives. Um, and the movie itself, I think, while it has great intentions, I think just doesn't, doesn't come across as sincere as possible and Hollywoodizes, I think, a lot of its racial aspects that I think are really rubbing the people the wrong way because I know there are a lot of people who really do not like this movie. I'm not quite well, in their uh, camp, but, t- but I can understand well, yeah, yeah, why yeah. they don't like it. Yeah, I still really I, I find the movie to be a really good feel good movie. It is a um, feel good movie. It's a good road movie. Like it's a it's a genuine. Yeah, yeah. There's some there's some comedic moments in the movie. Um, what's his name? Uh, uh Valavanga by uh, Vigo is really uh not uh, uh politically correct at all when it comes to uh talking about anyone or anything, and those lead to a lot of comedic yeah. moments. And Mahershala Ali is the complete opposite of him. It's a very yin yang story, yeah. you know what I mean? Like the opposites, you know, yeah. meshing yeah, together. I, yeah, and I think I think some of the stuff that people, I mean, some specifically between the relationship between them is is that there's moments of like. I would say white splaining uh, to 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 the black they're, character, they're, like yeah. him telling him about you know like black culture, you know. No, no, you know, no, no. There, like, there's eh. a white savior aspect ratio uh, aspect ratio. There's a white savior aspect to the movie <laughs> that it's is really apparent and really obvious at times, and in a way it, it's it's they kind of built the movie to have it. Like literally, Viggo Mortensen's character is hired to protect. Uh, Mahershala Ali's character—that's like his literal job, as well as being a chauffeur. And like, the, uh, and like Stephen said, there, there's—I I didn't understand at what point did Viggo's Mortensen's character go from being someone who is seemingly very racist to someone who now has a friendship and a respect for him. It, it is gradual, but like, there weren't enough significant moments for me to really for him to get to that moment uh, to be as convincing for me. Uh, but I don't think yeah. it's a terrible movie. Some people really, like I said, do not like yeah, it. Yeah, they really they're, hate they're the really movie. They're really hitting yeah. it hard. It didn't help recently that Nick Vallelonga came. Uh, some of his old tweets resurfaced, and they don't look very good for someone who's making a a movie that is uh, tackling racism very well. Um, yeah, but that's more ex- outside of the movie stuff, anyways. We I don't like to let those things um, really impact the movie too much. I like to let the movies speak for themselves. But you can't help, you know, seeing a certain correlation in there. Um, so Green Book is Dan's number one. Interesting. Yeah. Made by the guy that did Dumb yeah. and Dumber. The, the, it's the, crazy. The, one half of the Ferrelli <laughs> brothers who also did yeah, – yeah. uh, uh, what's that movie? Shallow Hal. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, something about Mary. Something, yep. something about Mary. They, what was that? A, st- a favorite, of my, favorite of mine. I was stuck just going to mention you. that. Stuck on you? <laughs> is that, that was them? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I guess uh, yep. Andrew, we can let's talk about my number two and your number let's one, man. Let's do it. Uh, let's do it, man. You could do uh, it. Number Come one on. is Alfonso Cuarón's Roma. Roma, Roma, which came out finally on Netflix in late December, right around the holidays. Um, so I literally waited almost the entire year me? to watch this movie. But me, I saw it back in 
October. Yes, this did. This, <laughs> I'll say this. This, <sighs> this did get a a limited theatrical release. It was at a lot of festivals. That's where Steven saw it, um, yes. and that's where a lot of people saw it. But a lot of people also saw it at their local indie indie theaters or whatnot. Um, and I. I whipped out and I watched it at home on Netflix the literal moment that it dropped. Like I was on Netflix like refreshing at like 2.59 a.m. because L- it's going to drop. You're, luckily that's like the middle of yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah. Luckily you, I'm so, like yeah. wide awake at 3 a.m. The witching hour uh, or whatever they yeah. call it. And I was like refreshing <laughs> like okay, it's coming. And then boom, it showed up at 3 a.m. And I watched it right away. There it was. Um, this movie, my goodness, uh, so much to say but I don't want to take – another hour talking about it. I'll say this, similar to what I said for Cold War, amazing cinematography. Breathtaking, Definitely. gorgeous, stunning, I believe shot by Alfonso Cuaron himself. He did everything yep. in this movie. He wrote it, directed he, it, he, shot he, it. He, he has the potential to win maybe three Oscars. Uh, I, I de- yeah, or, maybe, or maybe two Oscars. I think he's got Oscars. directing locked up pretty hard. Um I mean, he might win cinematography. Yeah, that too. Uh, the cinematography. I mean, I mean, he. I think. He, I think. Is he a producer on the probably. movie? So he might win an Oscar. I mean, for if you're the, gonna do all the other the things, you might too. as well produce it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he has a potential to win three Oscars. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's gonna be nominated for best foreign language as well. Um, but yeah. yeah, this movie is stunning visually. Just the long takes, the the wide shots. It's shot in you know a very wide lens, and he took a lot from what he learned by working with Emmanuel Lubezki for so many years on so many movies and apply that literally directly to this movie. But this movie, for those of you who don't know, it's kind of a slice-of-life film. It takes place in Mexico City in um, early 1970s, I believe, or 1970s yeah. uh, in general. And S- semi-autobiographical. Yeah, it's Quran. something that's a personal film for him. It's centered around a character who is a maid-slash-nanny for this kind of wealthy uh, couple that they have, I believe, two uh, two or three children. I can't, I yeah, three, three children, yeah. and they have a couple of dogs that just keep pooping everywhere. It's kind of kind of funny. Yeah, they just keep pooping. They I, keep pooping yeah. in the driveway. It's pretty great, and they got to keep cleaning yeah. it. Um, and and it's just kind of following this person's life for like a year or so, and just the the trials and tribulations of what it's like to be kind of in that vocation at that time in that place it's actually very similar to probably now <laughs> there are still people who are maids slash nannies who take care of you know wealthier people's children and, and homes and whatnot and it really it, sh- it shows how real that life can be um and how difficult that life can be uh, but there's also so many different themes in it of family and um, you know, pseudo motherhood or possible motherhood and things like that. Yeah, I absolutely adore this movie in every way, and it's it's a subtle movie. There's no like uh, you know, there's no mid second act climax. You know, there's no like any type of you know action sequences or things like that that would be like you know a big set piece. It's just it's very subtle in the way it's just following this person's life for like a whole year or so. It's it's an amazing movie, just incredibly breathtaking in all of its aspects for me. And and also, you know, they use non actors yeah. in the main role. The roles. A, the actress yeah, yeah. who plays this character, I think she's amazing for somebody who literally has no acting credits at all. She's just incredible for yeah. me. She's plucked out of nowhere, and now she's going to all these award shows and all this kind of stuff, getting you know talking with like Tom Hanks and all these kind of celebrities. Oh, why can't I? Why can't I get plucked out of I nowhere? Know. To do something, right? Yalitza Aparicio. Yes. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. 
Dan's our uh, is our is our go to uh, pronouncer today. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it it was one that was at my number one for a long time, and then I kind of made a last minute change because I started to think about what movie kind of resonated with me more, and uh, we'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Roma, uh, Afonso Cuarón, uh, just uh, you know continues to. To, to surprise man i mean he he goes he, you know he he last film he did before this was gravity and you know you know this big space this is space movie using a lot of uh you know special effects and things and you know did children of men and when i went to the screening he was when i saw it at telluride he was there so i got to see him in person and him talk about the movie and and how what it meant to him and and also they did kind of a uh, they were giving him an award, uh, and they were doing like a retrospective. So at the, before the movie started, they showed like some of his greatest works, which were, were like Children of Men and Itu Mama Tembien, and and you know he kind of goes back to that uh, uh, where it was you more forget, personal. You forgot his small. best work, uh, Harry uh, Potter, Harry Potter, III. Harry Potter, and the Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> oh yeah, of no, course. no other. Uh, that was that was act, that they actually yeah, showed clips. No from other that, Harry so. Potter movie looks like that at all. No, it doesn't. Um, so yeah, it, it, it just it, there was an extra layer of awesomeness watching that movie with knowing Quran was right there, um, and uh, yeah, he he uses he utilizes a lot of pans in this movie, you know, just panning back and forth like it's on one of them fans, <laughs> uh, and, and you know he utilizes it really well, and uh, it's just it's it's just hard to describe. It's one of the movies you just got to go experience. It's an, an experience of a movie. It's not one you can really say, this is the plot. Um, you just, you watch it and you, you don't let things distract to put your cell phone in the other room and just stick with yeah, it. And it. Um, it's a little over two hours. Yeah. Like two and hours it's and not a movie minutes. that I think you may be able to personally connect with, but there's something personal no, about it. No. You know what I mean? Like it, like it's a personal the, the, story. It's something that's relatable to everybody. Not not every event that happens in the yeah. movie is something that you can say you experience. But that I mean, shit. I mean, you watch all these yeah, Marvel shit. movies. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm used to fighting guys like Thanos uh, uh, who throw planets at oh, people. Yeah, yeah that, I know that, that's that. my weekend. Yeah, yeah, that's my weekend. So you know, you know, that's just icing on the cake. But all the human stuff is the stuff that you can grab onto and and you know there's just some amazing moments of in, in this movie that you just like you just kind of marvel at and uh just it's on netflix go watch yeah, it you literally God, it's the easiest you don't thing have to, to watch leave your house you don't have to leave your house even though i was lucky enough right. to see it in theaters I, I mean i wish they would have shown it in more theaters i mean um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure because it was Afonso Cuaron, he had that weight, he had that heft. He he was able to at least get a little bit of a release. Yeah, Netflix. Um, some some guys don't even. Yeah, get Netflix a release, isn't so. high on releasing their movies in theaters, but they're starting to break that that shell a little bit. Well, there's a, there's a rumor right now. I mean, they're trying to. I think there's a rumor. I mean, Amazon I think did it, but they might start purchasing theaters. Yeah, to, theater to show some of their movies. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. Amazon so. grabbed a th- like a theater chain that was going under. I can't remember who it was. But it's, is it Cinemark? Yeah, I think was it, it Cinemark? was Cinemark. Um, Maybe it was I'm a not small sure. theater chain. I think started by like Mark Cuban, who was like the, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the backstory yeah, about yeah. that. But anywho, Netflix but, is yeah, doing Roma. it. You know, what I mean, yeah. and this was a Netflix production. So from what I've heard, Netflix basically gives you money and you do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I hear you. Yeah. Ah oh, man, come on, guys. You don't want to do like yeah, they, man, like you don't get studio money. notes from Netflix. Give me some money, please. All right. So we're down to the number one for me. Here we go. The one that matters the most. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, this, um, is, a, this is the only <laughs> opinion that matters. 
This is the only number one that matters here. Uh, I'm just kidding, guys. Um, my number one, is, like I said, I started to think about this, and this this movie was always on my list, but I decided to put it at number one because I felt like it had – it's a movie that stuck with me, and I and I rewatched it right before this, and, and I was like, yep, you know what? This has to be my number one because it just – even though that the lead character was played by a female, it – so – like so many things in this movie – were also for me things that happened to me and things that I could understand and feel and for a first time director it's amazing and it's it's the movie 8th grade um I thought 8th grade was just um one of the most big one of the biggest surprises of the year especially indie wise um or just in general it's just one of the biggest surprises of the year um and Bo Burnham who was the director it's first time he he found a way to zero in on on certain emotions in certain situations and did it in certain ways that I could be sometimes certain situations are played that are, are not played played up the right way they're they're kind of like smoothed over a little bit kind of like what we're talking about with something like Green Book where they kind of smooth over some certain details but I think in eighth grade they go over certain situations in a very uh, real way, visceral way, uh, where you're with the person. It's like, you know, there's a scene in the movie where she goes to a pool party and she's never done that. You know, she's never been around this many people, you know, and, and, and to try to fit in and fit in. And she goes to the bathroom and she's having all this anxiety and you're with her. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's got so many moments like that where, you just you're with the character and you feel it and also there's this added aspect of uh modern day technology and how uh, as as kids today had this added um kind of uh pressure to be uh noticed on social media if you're not doing things on social media and and being fun and being active on so that 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 makes you not cool or not fun and not with the crowd um so that you know it's something I could re- – I mean when I was that age, it wasn't necessarily – YouTube wasn't really a thing yet. Um, it, it was start. It was in its infancy. It wasn't really much of a thing yet, but it, it – I could still relate to the the whole thing of being on social media and because and, I didn't get Facebook until after I got out of high school. So I kind of had some of them pressures where I was like, eh, who, what is this Facebook thing? I don't really eh. – but I just found this movie to be so raw and so uh, just – hit right at home and uh the lead actress who is is her first time uh, what's her name dan fisher (laughs) elsie fisher he knows the names dan's got uh, that down she is he's got it i mean you know like you know there's a lot of moments where i mean to ask this young girl to do some of the things she does in this movie to to put herself out there is amazing you know that she did that you know and she's very pimple she has pimples all over her face i don't know if they were real they might have been probably. real who knows probably They're not probably real i would i but, would say so maybe i mean i mean it, it, but but they i mean it, it's amazing i mean she, she they they showed her in them really real moments where she was like you know she would put makeup on to try to cover yeah. up the zits and then you know it Beautiful, fantastic movie. My my favorite movie yeah. of the year. Um, you yeah, guys, I'll hand, I'll you guys hand it to Dan because I don't think we got Dan's thoughts on Roma. D- Dan, yeah, Dan had it at number yeah, eight. Yeah, I have so. uh, eighth grade at number eight, but Roma, right. absolutely beautiful film, cinematography, gorgeous. Uh, great, great. Um, there was a scene in the water, incredible, incredible. Uh, and listening to uh, Hollywood Reporter's uh, podcast on uh, YouTube, 
he explains that whole scene and what what, what went into the scene in the water. Uh, very, very interesting uh, to listen to the Hollywood Reporters Director's Roundtable on that. Um, Dan didn't even put it on his list. But though. it had number yeah. 11. Whatever. Number 11. <laughs> Roma was number 11 on my list. Uh, 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 it actually, I messed up my honorable mentions when I sent them to you. But Roma was number okay. 11. So I, it was that close to making my top 10 uh, Roma. But I absolutely loved it. Beautiful film. I just want to quote somebody. Uh, uh, somebody that sent me a uh, message way, way back in uh, August, late August, early September. Somebody said to me, it was a masterpiece. And I just want to say, that was me. That, ma- <laughs> that person is on this podcast right now. And when I heard the word masterpiece, I said to myself, I have got to see this film. And Stephen was right. It is an absolute masterpiece. I just like 10 films more than Roma. So that means all his other ten films were masterpieces. Yeah, they must too. have been. They must made, have been. <laughs> I, I did love, I did love uh, Roma, so I wanted to bring that up. But eighth grade, uh, the the bathing suit scene, cringeworthy. If you're eighteen, yeah. if you're a teenager, and you're awkward and you're a little shy, that scene is the most cringeworthy scene. One of the most cringeworthy scenes I've seen all year. Next to probably probably towards the end of Black Klansman. Want to talk about, you're like on the seat. You're wondering what's going on. And 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 it's just like, in the most awful color of bathing suit, it's like. Well, you know, the other thing too is, is just like, I love how they didn't shy away from how the, you know, kind of like what they did with a comedy this year called Blockers, where they showed female sexuality, like where they were pining after men. Uh, in this movie, you, there's a lot of moments where she likes this boy, and there'll be these music cues where this music oh, will yeah. come in, and it's like, and she's like, she's like fantasizing about him, this boy she likes, and it's uh, like stuff like they don't see a lot in movies where the, you show the females lusting after right. men. It's usually the other it way showed, around. Uh, adolescence, specifically at that age, really accurately, and it also showed how different it is now for for people at that age, but also how similar it is. Uh, to when uh, you know, Stephen and I were that age. Dan, 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 I'm not there, sure. A, I mean, te- with technology moving so fast, there is a little bit of a, a disparity right. there. But, but it's I, but not I meant much, more of the you know? the emotional journey that kids at that age take. Uh, now, yeah. when it comes to like you were mentioning, you know, pining after you know you're starting to hit that puberty age, where you're starting to be attracted yeah, to people a, and an, all that it's stuff. An, it's an it's awkward an awkward time, time. and that yeah. awkward stage people go through in every generation. What's different yeah. now is you know, like you said, the social media game, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Also, like there's one sequence in the movie where they're having a a um like a a live shooter drill, where like what would you do if like there was a live shooter that would come into your school? Uh, like how would you act and all that? They have people acting it out and whatnot, and like that's something that you wouldn't have seen. That's rough. You wouldn't have seen yeah. many, many years ago. Like you didn't see, you it, didn't it see when be, I was in high it school. It used to be just, you know, it used to be just tornado drills. You know, tornado start, drills. I'll say were this: the we thing. started having those towards the end because I went to high school, uh, two thousand and two to two thousand and six, and we started having those those types of things. Uh, later on, like when I was like a junior or senior, but it was more like, what if there was someone who would come onto the, you know, the school campus and here is the, the, uh, the code word over the, 
the intercom to inform yeah. people. We didn't have like people, you know, a SWAT team come in and instruct you how how to act and whatnot. Yeah, and act that, out. that's rough. That's something completely that's different. That's the, it's a very post nine eleven type of movie for for young people, and it's really accurate. And for some to come from someone like Bo Burnham, who has done predominantly stand-up comedy he's a stand-up comedian he's done some acting here and there but this was an existential film for him to really get out a lot of his anxiety issues and a lot of his anxiety problems and and stuff like that and he really nailed it pretty accurately and elsie fisher is amazing in this movie and the actor who played her father i thought was also really good oh he was awesome uh, do you know his name Uh, yeah no, actually, I, I don't know the guy's name. I don't have it on God, the top of my head. But, damn it, Dan. Why did we bring you here? Uh, but, but I yeah. wanted to bring up the father. You were good up right know, to the I end. Know, what can I say? Um, but but no, the, 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 there was that awkwardness where that you know you know how you are in the kid and you think your parents are dumb yeah. and they don't know nothing. Yeah. That's what you get there in a lot of scenes with them. Is is the father really cares and wants to be involved, but she's just like, uh, Dad, I'm trying yeah, to listen to music. Now. Or, uh, that- Dad, I'm trying. I, I don't. I don't yeah. like boys. The actor is uh, Josh, Josh Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah, there you go. And yeah. the movie is rated R, so it's. It- that's a baseball. He's also a baseball player. That's true. Was a baseball, baseball player. player. <laughs> yeah. Um. And the movie is rated R, so it 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 does get in there when it comes to graphics. Which is weird because I I don't think it needed I, to be some rated of the R. sexual stuff. I think was why it was rated R. Eh, it's but it's it, there's no no. Nudity. But there's like certain sexual explorations that I guess would be too much for to give it a pg-13 rating we talked if you if you go back and talk if we go back to the episode where we talked about censorship america is so sensitive about sexuality compared to the uk where it's the opposite where here we're okay to have violence uh and you could have all this violence in a movie it'll be pg-13 but if you put a little bit of sexuality in it it even even implies sexuality especially amongst the age group that this film is covering that's probably why uh, people are sensitive yeah, to well, that type of stuff. I, I think it's still. I think it. I think if it's anything, still it's it's PG-13. more realistic to, it's the, to what it's the use it's of the words using uh, the human, uh, the male, or or anatomy, or anatomy, and what what Whatever. other yeah. people could use with do with their mouths. Yeah, thank so you, Dan. Forth. We didn't need that description. You, know, <laughs> you mean a no, blowjob? There it is. Oh, <laughs> I just dropped Did, a bomb. Uh, Steven dropping F-words and BJs. What are you doing? I'm going to have to change this episode <laughs> to an explicit episode. <laughs> I was trying yeah. to skirt around that, but damn. Yeah, just so, going so right through like, it. Nah, I'll, I'll, I'll be the one. <laughs> hey, but, but yeah, the, the film doesn't shy away from stuff like that, which are what kids are exploring at that which, age. I mean, which, it's... Real. Which is one of my favorite scenes where he's like trying to like get the boy's attention and he's like, yeah, I, I get blowjobs. <laughs> so they are like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, what? and it's like. It's, it, it's, it, it's funny, but it's also yeah, like a, disturb, yeah, disturbing. Yeah, disturbing like scene it's just, you know. that deals with some predatory type nature as well. That is really yeah. realistic and frightening and, and talk about, you know, tense and stress and stuff like that. But Great but movie. I say if you have a, if you have kids around this age, let them watch. You this want to hear movie. something interesting? When I was in the yeah. theater watching it, it was me, a couple other people, and then I'm pretty sure a mom took like their two like eighth grade aged like children to it yeah. or something like that. And I was like, that was probably the reason. Like, oh, you're in eighth <laughs> yeah, grade, exactly. That's, I'm like, yeah. I don't know if this movie is gonna be. And then the mom was probably disturbed yeah. by the. She's end probably of it. She was distraught. Like, Wait. like, what did I just do? Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing no. is, they did screenings. Are you doing this? They stuff? did screenings. For the entire country, all of the country, for free, for middle school kids and high school kids. So they – and they didn't have to ch- be charged um, uh, any money to go see this film. And I thought that was the right thing to do because 
Oh, man, I'm in middle school. Uh, I saw a screening uh, pretty early, uh, way back in July of this, and it really captures everything that a kid is going through at that age. And the the parents, what the parents are going through, teachers. I mean, Bo Burnham, for a first-time filmmaker, wow, what what a great outing. He... uh, this film was incredible. It so we all we all agree. Eighth grade is uh, the best movie of. It's, a, it's in my top five. <laughs> in my, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess if we were doing top ten rules, it probably would be number. I had it at eight. Um, eighth yeah. grade, eight. You know. It, nice. I mean, it's the only commonality between all three of us. I oh, think. really? Um, I, don't I know. think so. To, yeah. Like, yeah, I guess. I so. think so. Yeah. It is. I think it's the only one that has all three of us because I don't have Black Klansman, but you both have Black right. Klansman. Um. And we both have an, an, an annihilation, but right. he doesn't. You, you, both, you, know, you guys have Roma too, right? Yeah. We both have Roma, but yeah. you don't. Um, Star is Born is on two My, people's list, but yeah, not three so people's we, list. We have a lot of crossover. So, yeah. uh, Andrew and yeah, I yeah, have yeah. the favorite, and Steven doesn't. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, a lot of great movies on all these yeah. lists. You should check them all out. They're, you know, a lot of them have already gotten Blu-ray releases. Some of them are coming right. soon. Some of them um, are still in some theaters. of them are on digital. Some of them are still in theaters. Yes, yeah, so like beautiful. Beautiful boy, you can go check yeah. out on Amazon. Like it's it's so check these movies out. But now we're gonna run into some of the ones we didn't talk about. Honorable mentions, um, and, and we're not gonna go. Let's not go too right. Long right. This, I, I honestly would say just about, run them down, ramble off down. a few. Yeah. We're not gonna we're not gonna talk about each of them intimately, no. but talk about a couple of the few that were left Got off it. your list. So Dan, go ahead. Uh, if Beale Street could talk, Barry Jenkins follow up to Moonlight. Beautiful yeah. film, romantic film. Even though it has a lot of racial tension, great film. Uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me, starring Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant. Oh, amazing period piece set in the early 90s. Uh, Melissa McCarthy, this is the kind of movie I want to see from her. Not that other crap she did this year. Uh, Hereditary, uh, the best horror film of the year, in my opinion. That with A Quiet Place, our hand in here. They're both fantastic. Tony Collette, why? Don't we see more Tony Collette in movies? She's incredible. Uh, my favorite animated film of the year, Incredibles 2. Uh, I love The Incredibles. This is just as good, if not better, than The Incredibles. Uh, I love the finan- family dynamic of all the different characters and stuff. Beautiful Pixar does it again. And right. Roma. And Roma. Right. Here's over. a couple. Well, I mean, a couple I've already mentioned. A Star is Born, First Man. Um... The other side of the wind, uh, the late great, the late great Orson Welles is uh, finally finished film. Nothing. It's on Netflix. It was a Netflix thing where they bought it and they put it together. Um, they got a lot of people who had worked on it to put it together. Peter Bogdanovich, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's nothing like this movie. It's the way it was done. Just incredible to me. It's it's unlike anything you've ever seen. Hereditary, like Dan said. Sorry to bother you, which was mentioned. First Reformed, which was mentioned. Um, Mandy. Nicholas Cage, yes. Banana Land. Yes. This is this movie is art house horror, crazy <laughs> surreal, uh, vigilant, uh, revenge, vengeful Nicholas Cage drenched in blood, carrying axes, oh, hunting dude. down Cenobite bikers. This movie's crazy. You <laughs> know, this movie's banana. It's it's, it's, it's amazing. amazing. Um, Burning, which I just mentioned, I saw last night. Yes. Uh, Miseducation of Cameron Post, I think, is underrated. The movie starring Chloe Grace Moretz, where she's uh, She's, uh, I think, based on a true story, based on a book where she's she's uh, taken to a um, gay conversion uh, camp or whatever. Yeah. Another there was another film this year that was a gay conversion, a movie. Um, 
Boy Erased. Boy Erased Boy was Erased. another one that was very yeah. similar. Uh, but a, a couple other mainstream ones. Uh, Black Panther, which came out way earlier this year, did yeah, yeah. With box office. One of MCU's best movies, Infinity War. You got to throw that up there just for its sheer epicness. It's a, it's basically a movie that's three acts in all of its acts. It's that crazy. Yeah. Mission Impossible Fallout. That franchise oh, yeah. is still going, and it's just getting better. Still going, man. <laughs> and and now Christopher McQuarrie is going to do yeah, two which more is movies. Kind of crazy. It's crazy. Um, and a couple of other ones that are uh, Creed two. Well, don't take up don't I'll take up all, man. Creed two, I have to mention because it's in you know personal. Well, Creed two is, is yeah Creed personal two. personal movie for me, and then um, one of the more underrated indie movies of the year, The Rider. Uh, find it if you can and watch it if you can. It's one I haven't seen yeah. yet. Yeah, the Blu-ray is absurdly yeah. expensive. I don't know why right now. Yeah, it's ridiculous. All right, so a few that I uh, you brought up. Uh, we brought Boy Erased. I, I caught that at Tell Your Eye too. I really liked that. It was a it's a great experience in the theater too. With uh, Joe Edgerton was there with, with the writer who wrote the book also, and um, also of course you were never really there. I love that movie too. Uh, one that was also kind of a, 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 a an indie gem for me was Mid Nineties. Oh yeah, Mid Nineties. Jonah Hill's uh, debut. Um, it, it, it captures that skateboarder uh, lifestyle mentality, and and, and it, it's it's another I think first time actor, and he was really good. A few f- first time actors that stand holds up three fingers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, also, uh, I, I agree. A Quiet Place was a really good one. Um, I, early in the year, it just it just it just ended up falling off. It's down to like seventeen yeah. for me. Um, uh, an, a mainstream one that I really liked, uh, Crazy Rich Asian, Asians, was one I really liked. I think it was one of the the better uh, you know rom coms that have come out sur- in a while. Surprise Probably, hit of the year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and of course the the diversity of having a mostly Asian whole, cast was, was cast, fantastic yeah. to see and to see that to see that culture. Um, sure, there was probably some extras that were white. Okay, I, I wasn't so looking it wasn't at the whole, extras. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's that. There's also uh, the Hate You Give, which was was um, another film about kind of the same subject. A lot of movies about racial tension. Um, you had you know like we've talked about, Sorry to Bother You, and 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 uh, Black Klansmen right. and and Blind Spotting. A very similar, especially Blind Spotting very similar kind of situations, but this was more of a straightforward story, kind of easier to follow than the, the others. But, um, and then one more I'll mention, uh, actually I'll mention two more widows. Uh, oh, thank Steve, you. Uh, I was just going to sneak um, that one in. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Widows. Uh, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I think it does, um, have some script problems, but the direction's really interesting. And for, especially for somebody that had not really done this kind of a, a big, big budget movie with this big of a cast, you know, Steve McQueen's used to, used to seeing these smaller movies, more character driven movies. And the last one I'll mention is leave no trace. Ooh, um, good one, which I liked it had Ben Foster, um, where it's kind of, if you remember captain fantastic from a co- kind of has a little bit of that thrown in there where it's people trying to live off the grid. Um, and about, you know, in this movie, he's suffering from uh, PSD and 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 kind of keeping his daughter from living in the real world, and and basically they get founded because you know you can't live as a hobo and 
apparently in this day and age. You can't live off the grid because uh, the government wants to know where you're at. Well, so. I think he was like living <laughs> so, in like a national park or something. Well, he was, but but still, it, it's kind of what they were right. hinting at was that you can't just live off the but grid. I think it, you have it, to be it, well, on the grid. I think it mostly I think it came down to if it was him living by himself, I think I don't think they would. But the also, problem is yeah, that he had a child, a, uh, a young child. Yeah, it was also that if she he was endangering her life you know, or whatnot, endangering her. Yeah, yeah. But but also, I think there is some of that. Like you know, nowadays there's a lot of depending on what state you're from, they're trying to find a way to get rid of the homeless oh, population yeah. in like their vagrancy cities. and stuff you know, like that. Yeah, yeah, they're shipping people off to yeah. other states, yeah. basically. You know, um, trying to get rid of the homeless populations. Um, so it's 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 a very sincere emotional movie but you know it's got it's got some issues it's kind of yeah, slow at some it's spots, really well but... directed though by the director who i oh, can't yeah, remember uh she's a female director and i can't remember her name uh but uh we should let dan throw some in there yeah well he already did, did he, he has more mentions in there Steven, okay. yeah, yeah yeah he was the and first Steven one mentioned uh, a bunch of the ones that i would have mentioned if i had uh, extra extras yeah, yeah. I love yeah i have i mean i have some extras too i mean just Movies that I really want people to watch. Uh, Paddington 2. I still think Paddington is... Ah, Paddington those movies are so goddamn delightful. Um, delightful. Love, Simon, I thought was really good as well. People really love Love, yeah, Simon. Yeah, I like Love, Simon. Um, yeah. Another horror movie called Revenge. It's a French um, revenge movie, if you will. Really bloody movie if you're really, if you're really into that. Um, but yeah... The the director. Yeah, I mean, there's there's countless yeah, movies. There, there's yeah. countless. I mean, I I have a list of over a hundred. Dan has a list of over a million. So you know, yeah, <laughs> over a million that came out. Oh, yeah. I wasn't going to ask you for your number, Dan. Thank you for providing it. Um, but two fifty. That's know, a good number. To end the show, but we do 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 to we want to go? We're gonna we're gonna the We're gonna go through a few few uh, disappointing or worst movies, ones that didn't hit the mark for us this year. Um, let's Dan go through a few for us. Get, do five. We're gonna do yeah, five I'll, each. I'll be honest can. with you. I, I'm just gonna just say one. If if you don't mind me just saying one. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Go for one. it. One. It's called Holmes and Watson. It is an absolute <laughs> piece of freaking garbage. It's the last movie I saw of 2018 official in the year of 2018. It is an absolute dumpster fire. It's a great way to piece end. Of great trash, way garbage. <laughs> Um, never go see this film, please, guys. This is movie is awful. I don't plan on seeing that. <laughs> uh, for me, I mean, just five randos from down here. I'll say this: um, uh, Death Wish with Bruce Willis was bad. Mm. I mean, he's he, that that man is sleepwalking through his roles now. Doesn't care. Um, uh, the movie um, The Outsider, starring Jared Leto, where he was like some type of yakuza slash samurai Jesus. guy it was yeah. a, it's a netflix movie uh mute which is another movie which has a cool setting but with a really lackluster story it's set in this kind of like cyberpunk dystopian you know blade runner-esque future but the story's kind of just not great um a couple of disappointments that were like you know movies i was anticipating and they were just not you didn't live up to the snuff jurassic world fallen kingdom that movie disappointed yeah. the heck out of me. I love Jurassic Park. You know, uh, you know, we I've I've talked with Steven about it, how you know Steven Spielberg's first film is fantastic, whatnot. Um, but yet yeah, the Fallen Kingdom, that movie just falls apart in the second half. The screenplay's not good. Um and another movie from from a franchise that is um from the past, The Predator. I think it was another movie. It looked like it was oh, yeah. chopped up to heck. And I'm like, what is like 
this movie looks like it was chopped up and put back together with duct tape. What's going on here? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a couple of couple of what that are at the bottom of my list. Yeah, I, I definitely want to put Predator on my disappointing. That was a disappointment for sure. Especially having Shane Black come back, I was like, oh, I, yeah, yeah. Like it, you know, it was supposed to be a rated R movie, then they recut it to be PG thirteen. What a mess! It's it's rough. All right, so a couple for me. I I would say the most one of the most disappointing films for me was um, Ready Player One. Yeah, I, f- I found you know being a fan of the book, um, I I I like the movie, but I, I it it was to me it didn't capture all the things I loved about the book, which was mostly the relationships between the characters. Uh, I think he kind of he kind of changes. I mean, he changes the sequence of events definitely. And of course, adapting a book, you have to change yeah. some things, but this book isn't a big book. No. The pro- um, it, it, yeah. so, so it's, I was gonna say the, it's the more problem a, with the book is that like, they probably couldn't get the rights to all of the, the interesting things that the book was doing. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, they didn't the, even, fo- they the didn't even follow the, the steps in order to do the journey that these, these kids going on. They didn't even follow that. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the, all the, all the, like the, there's two. There's there's enough nerdy stuff right, in the movie course. that doesn't bother it's me. Nerd Nirvana, but 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 it's the 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 journey of the characters and there's two. You know the two main characters are not supposed to see each other's real face. They're real people as real people until the end of the movie. And that was one of the biggest things about the book that they changed in the movie that I just really yeah. messed it. And up I don't want me. to step on Steve because um, I always over talk over Stephen. But in, in, in on, the book, God. like the the main protagonists are supposed to be like. Not the best looking individuals. They're supposed to be physically flawed, which is part of the reason why they hide behind their avatars in the Ready Player One world. But but these actors that they casted are like, you know, one's a handsome young actor, one's a beautiful young actress. I mean, it yeah. doesn't it you lose a little bit of that uh, of that in the movie. Um yeah, it, it yeah, it, it was a disappointment for me. It's not on it's not in the bottom of my list, but I know what Steven's talking about. But go on, Steve. I don't want to interrupt yeah. you anymore. Oh, it's okay. Uh, another one that's disappointing. I think maybe you guys will agree with me. Maybe I don't. Solo, of course, was just kind of a. I mean, I guess I expected it not to be that great, but it it just didn't work for me. I think it was kind of an unnecessary um, movie that came out that uh, we didn't necessarily need. But um, I mean, I don't know. What do you think, guys? I mean, I think Dan loves it. I, I like reason. it more than other people. <laughs> <laughs> I like it more than other people. I'll say that it does have problems, um, and we all know that this movie was basically made twice, or at least one and a half times. I mean, it's kind of obvious. Yeah, uh, Dan, uh, you I really like the movie. Uh, oh. I love the Han Solo character. I love the Chewbacca stuff. I love the Lando stuff. I love the story of learning about Han Solo and all that stuff that goes with his character. Um, I, 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 I enjoyed this movie. It was in my top ten for a little while during the year. I may have it may have been in my top ten halfway through the year. I'm not sure. I can't. Remember. I think I think it's if anything, it's a lot of fun. It's a it's a fun adventure movie starring Han Solo and his friends Chewbacca, yeah. uh, Lando Calrissian, um, Kira. all that kind of stuff. Kira, uh, Emilia I just, Clark. I just found it. I just found it completely unnecessary. It just didn't do nothing for me. As a, somebody that has is kind of become intimately into start, like reading the new canon and stuff like that, like I don't, I don't know that the movie. I mean, it just fe- it felt very much like a cash grab of a, of a, of an idea. I can understand of a movie. that. I mean, and it, which you know, it's I'm not stupid. I understand that it's a business, but it, it just it it just didn't work Next, for me. Do you have another one? But um, 
I one this is actually one I just didn't like. Oh. Completely didn't like. Uh and that's Christopher Robin. Oh, this one this movie this was one bothers just, me. This this I mean this movie first of all what the hell were they thinking with the color palette with these characters? And they look like demons, <laughs> like these demons possessed these and these 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 toys. It's, it's, and, and like, it's a drab looking, wet. Damp I don't give place. a shit. What, I mean, so is Mary Poppins, <laughs> but that was a lot more colorful. Uh, this movie, they God, it's death. <laughs> we're basically in purgatory. I mean, Winnie the Pooh is in purgatory until Christopher Robbins thinks of him again, and it's that's what's so disturbing about it. You got Donkey, whatever Eeyore. his name is, it's like Eeyore is over here, like trying to kill himself every well, that's, five that's minutes. That's Eeyore. Eeyore's God. Best. I mean, this is supposed to be for kids. I mean, come it's on. It's mostly a movie that they try to reach the older uh, people. You know what I mean? Only thing good about the movie is Donald Gleason because he's Donald Gleason. Well, I, I have That's a couple. But yeah. uh, now that you guys start, I, I had a chance to think of a couple. Yeah. Sicario to Soldado. Don't Day you of the Soldado. Yeah, I like that. Oh, I, I like Sicario. It's not as good as the first oh, one, but man, I still like the second so one. This so awful. I, it's, uh, <laughs> Mama You're crazy. Mia, here we go again. How about here we don't go again? Oh, nobody how, expected how that. How, we, how about here we don't go again? Uh I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's called "Here We Go Again." I mean, it's like, do we really need this? Here we go again. I mean, like, it says it in the title. It, 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 yeah, yeah. Go on. Winchester. What the heck was? I mean, they, Oscar winner Helen Mirren. Yeah, it was but, pretty I mean, rough. Come on, what are you doing, uh, Helen Mirren? Um, Truth or Dare. Truth, Truth oh, or Dare God, came that's out. That's a Blumhouse, and they got the second one coming s- out, and it's people like, oh, it's Blumhouse. Oh, uh, no, just even no, it's Blumhouse doesn't mean it can't be bad, people. Um, you you hit the nail on the head right there, Stephen. That was really but, bad. Truth of yeah. was awful. Yeah, it's rough. All right. Well, anything else? Uh, I think I think we we, we uh, talked I have about to say a this. lot. Pacific Rim Uprising. Yeah, I yeah. had I That's had pretty disappointing. Yeah, like I outward bursts of like that makes no damn sense. That is terrible. A I said it like out time. loud. A wrinkle um, in time. Was you know what? Really I didn't. Bad. I didn't hate a wrinkle in time as much as many other people. I didn't hate it, but it, yeah, it didn't. It didn't work uh, for me. Either, there's a lot really. about that movie I like. A lot of its themes I think are strong. The problem is the story. I don't think is that interesting. It, or great. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Big Oprah worked for me. Either, <laughs> <but> I mean, <laughs> Big Oprah. Uh, uh, I mean, some of the other ones down here, uh, like the commuter with. Liam Neeson, just Liam Neeson doing his old stuff. Wow, that's to just honest, forgettable. To be honest, Rampage yeah. and Skyscraper aren't bad, but they're just like absurdly average rock they're, action. They're forgettable. they're forgettable. They're forgettable. There's a lot more forgettable. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed um, Rampage. I, it is exactly what it was is what you got. And basically, for me, yeah. it was it was enjoyable for what we got. And I mean, I yeah, it's I mean, did anybody think the Meg was going to be great? I like I mean, the Meg. Uh, I like yeah. the Meg. It's fun, oh, but Jesus. it's not like amazing. It's forgettable. Um, I have the Cloverfield Paradox is another one. Oh which, God! Which I now I kind of know why Paramount sold that to Netflix because Netflix was dumb enough to pay them like forty million dollars for that, it. That was a good move. That was a good. Move. <laughs> that was well, a good the idea. Super Bowl like, was um... bad for me. Then I had to go watch that dumpster fire after. <laughs> so it was like yeah. an awful. They, night. But, but they think, have to. They have to. Yeah, Stop making Cloverfield movies that aren't Cloverfield movies into Cloverfield movies. They gotta stop. Yeah, doing they gotta. That. They gotta just. Although, yeah, they gotta stop. Although, just uh, Clover retrofitting movies is to really, be really good, yeah. but Cloverfield Paradox, no, no, just not. Yeah, you can't. You yeah, can't wedge that out, but, that square into that round circle. Yeah, 
Well, let's go ahead yeah. and end it there, guys. We talked about a lot of stuff. We're, we're, this is a long episode, and um, you know, I, I think on our maybe on our next episode, I have we haven't decided yet, but we might go into uh, what are some of our anticipated movies for this year. Maybe that might be our next. I haven't decided yet, but but um, now that we've ended, uh, let's find out where everybody uh, can be found. Dan, where can we find you? You can always find me at Dan Skip Allen on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Or at from the fourth row at wordpress.com where I write about movies or a website that I uh, work for called cinesportstalk.com. That's C I N E S P O R T T A L K.com where I write about sports and movies. All right. And Andrew? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Capzilla06, where I don't do so much as tweet as I just retweet everyone else just so I don't stir the fire. <laughs> and also my YouTube channel. Uh, Capzilla Productions, where I do movie reviews and uh, Blu-ray reviews and all kinds of stuff like that. And, of course, here on the Cinema Discovery Project with my partner in Cinema Crime or Cinema World. We, we, we follow the rules. we got to work on these things. We follow the rules. Uh, I'm Stephen Billings. Yeah, Dan St- yeah. Stephen Billings. Yeah, and, and I can be found on Facebook and, and uh, that's about it. I mean, I, 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 I post uh, stuff for the Cinema Discovery Project on Instagram and we have our YouTube where you can get the audio there, and you have iTunes, and you have Apple Podcasts. And that will be it for this very long episode of the Cinema Discovery Project, our longest yet. I think it's going to be almost three hours, close to three hours, probably like an hour, two hours and 50 no, minutes. I, our, our Rocky one takes the cake. Yeah, yeah, our Rocky one's pretty good. That's, 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 that's a good one. Um, but that's going to be it for this episode. And hey, guys, keep on watching the movies. I know I will. How about you, Dan? Will you? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>